0: following podcast is recorded and produced by the podcast precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The podcast precinct, consistency, creativity, culture. Hey everybody. And we're back. For rediscovering the indies, I know we had a uh, brief hiatus there. I'm Chris Gello, joined alongside Jonathan Nash. Hello, and uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, independent wrestling history podcast, uh, talking about independent wrestling history, events, personalities, it's a Christmas miracle promotions. Yeah, it's great, Yes, though this will probably come out. It, I know it will come out after Christmas because we're recording
1: this after Christmas. <laughs> so it's, it's the 27th. That's that's Happy Starcade Day.
0: Yeah, I am currently uh, in a, in the middle of a travel ban. In the city of Buffalo. I've been snowed in from a blizzard. So, uh, so this is a you were available, Ash. You're a world traveler now. You were available, and I was like, yes, please. It's something to do other than sitting in this house and watching The Big Bang Theory. I'm contributing to that uh, that ratings increase. Uh,
1: it, so. it's, yeah, it, it's because Major League Wrestling has a best of episode this week, so I'm available
0: so there we go yeah and uh we'll we, when we uh, end this episode uh, i'll let you ash tell people about all the great things you've been doing and uh, the kind of cool things i've been doing uh so but uh yeah
1: don't, don't sell yourself short
0: <laughs> well we'll get right uh into it here so as the topic it's dragon gate usa this is part three we are now in february of 2010 uh and uh, if, if you want to get a recap there, part one and part two are available on all your major podcast uh, devices. And by the way, before we get started, I want to thank, of course, uh, BICPB Radio Productions and Matt uh, Johnson over there at the podcast precinct for helping put this together here. Uh, but yeah, so we will uh, start here uh, with part three, uh, February 8th, 2010, and this is from The Observer. Uh, and this is about Ring of Honor. A lot has gone down and we'll have a major story hopefully next week on it. But Davey Richards, who was thought to be on the way out, choosing Dragon Gate USA and Evolve, and then having the tag titles taken from he and Eddie Edwards, signed a new contract the first week of January. Richards got a raise from the three fifty per night when he was making to five hundred, the same as he was making in Dragon Gate USA and Evolve. Ring of Honor offers more dates. Richards is also done with Dragon Gate in Japan and apparently has a spot in this year's New Japan Super Juniors tournament. There's been a lot of legal threatening as Ring of Honor threatened Richards and talked uh, of getting an injunction against Richards working the Dragon Gate USA shows in Phoenix. Gabe Sapolsky said Richards told him that he had signed and he'd be finishing up on January 22nd, two weeks after he signed the deal. Uh, Sapolsky asked him to at least honor his commitments and work the Phoenix shows, which are the same weekend weekend in the same city as the Ring of Honor events. He went back and forth on it, uh, saying yes. Dragon Gate did not want Richards uh, beating uh, Masaki Mochizuki for the FIP title since they uh, thought he was leaving. Sapolsky convinced them to have their guy lose since Richards would then put over uh, BXP Hulk in Phoenix in a title match and that would give Hulk a big win. Then Richards told Sapolsky he wasn't doing the show there have been claims denied by Ring of Honor that Richards was offered the Ring of Honor title as well. So, you know, to kind of give people a little bit of recap here, uh, so Dragon Gate USA is started by Gabe Sapolsky, who was the longtime booker uh, for uh, Ring of Honor, and obviously Ring of Honor went different change. Sapolsky left. And there's always been this tension and competition, but I think... If I remember correctly, this might be the first time that there, there's almost rumors of clear sabotage here.
1: Yeah, I believe so. More of uh more of the first the first opportunity where the first chance where one company is trying to get an exclusive deal with, with a with a wrestler.
0: It's it's that whole, you know, promoter thing of, oh hey, listen, honor your dates. Go work the Dragon USA shows, but you know, if you didn't work those Dragon Gate USA shows, theoretically, uh, you could be Ring of Honor champion.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, like they obviously Ring of Honor obviously has more dates. Yes. Dragon Gates Dragon Gate they're ramping up at this point, but there's still not as many shows as uh as Ring of Honor. And it's yeah, it's one of those like, we really want to invest in you, but you know, you need to be you need to make sure you're committed to what we're doing here.
0: I take it as the old WWE thing. WWE always says, well, we don't stop people from doing anything. Oh, yeah, you don't tell them no, but when they do it, then you're like, oh, you shouldn't have done that.
1: Yeah. It's the same <laughs> thing where like, it wrestlers as independent contractors will say, I'm an independent contractor. I don't have a contract. I can I can work wherever I want. It's like, well, it works, together, works both ways. A promoter doesn't have to book you. Roto can book anyone he wants, and he can de-book you for any reason. So, you know, it's that give and take there.
0: Uh, we have here February 15, 2010, uh... TNA and Dragon Gate USA reached an agreement to allow Generation Me, the Young Bucks, to do the March 26th and March 27 shows in Phoenix. Sanji Dud has also been added for those shows. The Japanese stars confirmed thus far as BXB Hulk, Naruki Doi, Shima, Dragon Kid, Yamato, Shingo Takagi, Gama, Masato Yoshino, Susumi Yokosuka, and Jenki Horiguchi. The March 27 main event will be Shima and Gama and Dragon Kid vs. Doi, Yoshino, and Hulk. Uh, now, we... Also, from the, this observer here, we get a uh, a big piece on, on, on really what's going on here, and kind of a recap uh, of what's going on with Davy Richards. But he, here's the here's the highlight here, uh, and this is Richards said in an interview: uh, "The reason I couldn't do WrestleMania weekend during USA shows is that my Ring of Honor contract doesn't allow me to," said the 26 year old Richards, who was in three of the le- last year's top ten best best matches. I tried to do both, but I was told it was a violation of my Ring of Honor contract I signed a year ago. Gabe and Sal, and it's Sal uh knew this and told me they would have lawyers who could fight for me to get out of my Ring of Honor obligations. Whether they could or not, I don't know and I don't care. I didn't get into wrestling for legal battles. If it was up to me, I'd gladly do both. So, it, it, the talent seems you know, and at least from that, from Richards here, the talent seems to not really want to be divided by this. And at the end of the day, you brought it up, you know, in the examples, asked, they're independent contractors. Why shouldn't they be able to do Dragon Gate USA and Ring of Honor? Just because Gabe Sapolsky was a Booker of Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor sees it as, you know, some type of retribution?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think, think the main point here is also because it's, WrestleMania weekend, like the same city, is kind of competition. Yeah, but look, looking l- at like,
0: look where we're at now. No, I understand this is...
1: Yeah. You well, know, I mean, the, you look where we are now. This is 13 years ago, but... Look where we are now, and there's still... Some companies are still like that for Mania weekend.
0: Oh, um, the, oh they are. They're, they're, there's no doubt they are, but but like competition's going to happen. That's wrestling. It's so funny to see all these people that grew up with the Midnight... The, or the money they were saying how great it was, but yet don't like competition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I remember how great when WCW and WWE would go against each other, and oh, but you can't work for that company forty-five minutes down the road. They're competition.
1: So also in this uh, article, it some bullet points. It says Richard's is earning three fifty per match for regular shows and two fifty for television shows with Ring of Honor. But Gabe Sapolsky, who was trying to use if, as few Ring of Honor wrestlers as possible when starting his new group, offered him five hundred per show to be the top star. Richards made the move when the two groups started and continued to work for Ring of Honor, which immediately started facing him down, including having he and Eddie Edwards lose the tag team title for that specific reason. So, Gabe offered him a lot more money to work Dragon Gate, and it seems Ring of Honor, uh, Ring of Honor matched that to to get him to come back. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of back and forth here for several months. Uh, and it, just, it does say that Richards had written a letter to Carrie Silk and Adam Pierce on October 28th, telling them that he had chosen to do the ring of the Dragon Gate USA shows instead of the ring of honor shows on, on that weekend, meaning, uh, the October weekends, I believe. of the or Um, He said he wanted them to know far in advance so they could plan on it. He noted his decision at that time was not just because he was offered more money by Dragon Gate USA and was frustrated he hadn't been offered a raise in Ring of Honor in the past three years, even though his value to the company has increased greatly. When he was told Ring of Honor couldn't afford the raise, he accepted it and accepted pay cuts, as well as turned down two WWE contract offers, saying he didn't want to be bound by the company and that he's doing wrestling for fun.
0: Sounds like current-day Davey Richards.
1: (laughs) I'm just wrestling for fun. Uh. Richards was being groomed for the top guy in both promotions after Brian Danielson, the original pick for the spots signed with WWE. So I think that's an important part, too. That... Because, yeah, Danielson was originally the top... Supposed to be the top guy in Evolve and Dragon Gate USA. Uh, Same thing as he was in Ring of Honor. And he left and now Davey's being positioned for that spot. And it seems that Carrie and Adam Pierce kind of jumped in there and scooped in and made sure that that didn't happen.
0: Now the observer did get comments from Sapolsky and us. And he said, my feeling is pretty simple. I don't advertise someone until they're a hundred percent committed. I never cancel bookings on talent. I never short them on paydays if the house is down. I always deliver what I promise Davey and the young bucks who TNA's lot to work in the Phoenix show since they committed to them before they signed with TNA. Both committed to Dragon Gate USA for the rest of the year. Of course, I'm not going to hold them to the dates that they haven't been advertised on. Things change, but you need to finish up your dates so that you're already advertised on. I mean, he's right. Like, and I think that's fair. It's like, hey, I know you committed to this date, this date. We haven't advertised yet, but I need you to do the ones I advertised you on. And I think it's fair because I mean, sometimes it's very hard to find a replacement it, depending on the time in indie wrestling especially you know maybe it was a little easier in 2009 but there also wasn't as many indie wrestlers as there are now that are like high quality but when you have so many promotions running like now it's hard to you get a a guy canceling a Tuesday and you have your show on a Saturday it could be hard to find a replacement
1: yeah there's so many companies running and uh, it's very hard to find the last minute replacement because everyone's booked everywhere <laughs> Yeah.
0: Alright, move on to February 22nd, 2010 Uh, Add Tommy Dreamer to the March 27th Dragon Gate USA show He works March 26th in Japan So he basically has to do his match with Tajiri at the Smash show and then immediately fly to Phoenix Is that Smash in Japan? Because that's too early for Smash in Canada, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they did start 2012, but um That's some uh, Hulk Hogan logic there, of being able to fly and do a show the same day. Well, no, it's the the opposite day and or the next day. And let me let me look
0: that up. Sabu Sabu did that, and I think that may have been covered on our Stampede Wrestling chip. (laughs) If you remember, do you remember that? Yeah. It, It was Sabu. Sabu thought he could work in Japan in the day and make it to Canada. (laughs) <laughs> like at night or something, if I remember correctly.
1: Like the same day, I think it was or something yeah. like that. Because like, oh, I you mean, go back in time. <laughs> I mean, you technically can coming back. Like, it's a it's eleven hour flight back to the West Coast, so like you're getting back. You're getting back the day before, so like it's entirely possible, especially with the show in, uh, the show in Phoenix. Like you can def definitely pull that off. I'm just seeing. Uh, if Dreamer actually did that. We got March. Yes, he did. He defeated Tajiri in, in Smash in Tokyo, Japan, and uh, on the 26th, and on the 27th, he worked a hardcore match against John Moxley in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Yep. Look at that, dreamer. Uh, you know he's no spring chicken at this point. You <laughs> know, doing that travel. That's uh. still
1: he's still lucked out because you're flying, you're, you're flying into L.A. and then you gotta catch another flight to Phoenix. Like, he's that, probably pulling it. He's probably pulling it very close.
0: Yeah, I give it to him, man. And that's like I said, that's not a quick flight. Uh, and then you're going right to pretty much wrestling. Like, I give it to him. I just told you, like, after five hours of driving, my knees start to hurt. So I, I try to limit the traveling to five hours at a time.
1: I coming back from Japan. I didn't move from my seat for 11 hours. Cause I get the window yeah. seat. I don't like getting people, I'm asking people to move. I don't like to be bothered. So, like, yeah, my knees were completely locked up.
0: I did 20 hours from Toronto to South Korea. That was, that was, that was fun.
1: It was eight. No, it was eighteen. It was eighteen hours, and the other flight was six. Yeah, but you you can't stay still. Were you pacing back and forth? No, the
0: uh, they they were very roomy, uh, and like I, I would just get up and walk like I'm going to the bathroom, but not, and just walk back to my seats because <laughs> <laughs> I have that natural pacing energy. But uh,
1: you're, you're just you're just waiting for the the seatbelt light to go off, and it's like all right, I'm 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 out. They, they fed you like seven times on this flight, though,
0: <laughs> so it's like every time they are oh, like okay, that- you know. That's good.
1: Yeah. Plus you're 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 shorter, so like the you you have more leg room.
0: Yeah, Not too bad. Um, all right, we'll move on to March eight two thousand and ten. Here, the next Dragon Gate pay per view called Fearless, which starts airing on March fifth, was taped January twenty first at the Congress Theater in Chicago. Is another strong wrestling show, but it's not one that will be running in the running for show of the year. One of the big differences from a TV standpoint, first off, how do you know, Dave, it's only the beginning of the year? (laughs) Like, the rest of the year you're going to have bad wrestling. (laughs) But uh, one of the big differences from a TV standpoint is that the show uh, didn't have that kind of a crowd heat that the three previous shows did. Part of it could be something as simple as the temperature, as the fans in the front row were all wearing jackets, and people who were in a cold building never react like those in a warmer building. Uh, I think that would really hurt a three-way with Naruki, Doi and Masato Yoshino versus the Young Bucks versus Shingo and Yamato, which came as almost a numbing series of impressive moves. It had been one of if it had been on one of the other shows, it may have been a standout match. Um, yeah, a crowd as we saw during the pandemic, no crowd reaction or limited crowd reaction could really affect a product, no matter how good the match is. And, yeah, I mean, if everyone's cold, and they don't want to really use their their energy, like, cheering and stuff. I uh, I can get why that w- would not make a match come off as good as it is.
1: I've worked in buildings in winter that did not have heat, and it's 45 degrees in the building. Yeah, the fans are wearing, wearing winter coats with their hands in their pockets. They're not taking them out.
0: And honestly, I would say this same rule applies for the outdoor shows that are like ninety degrees out. Because fans are just trying to stay cold. They're they're drinking ice water. They got like, and they're like, oh yeah, wrestling. But like, very rarely do people just go nuts at those shows when you're like a couple hours in, and like I said, it's ninety degrees in the middle of summer. And I'm yeah, dying they don't want a suit.
1: And <laughs> they they don't want to. They don't wanna work up a sweat. Yeah, and get dehydrated. How are the Bills games in 95-degree weather, if they exist?
0: Oh, oh they're, they're terrible. And so are the Bills games in rain. Here's the thing. Now, I, I, the snow, the snowstorm was terrible. I, I'm not talking this, but, you know, your standard one to three inches of snow, I will take that over a rain game any day. You just get soaking wet. Like, you're soaked. like, And it's just uncomfortable. It's the most uncomfortable feeling for me oh, attending I, a sports game.
1: I, Fully understand because <laughs> snow doesn't really soak you. Like a light, yeah. a light dusting of snow doesn't soak you like a like a downpour, like a monsoon storm.
0: But yeah, it was like ninety degrees at a Bills game back in I want to say twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen might have been, uh, and uh, it was my birthday. I remember. Yeah, I think it was my thirtieth birthday, so it was twenty seventeen, and uh, I left in the half time because I was just dying. Like,
1: there's no shade either at the no, stadium. No,
0: there's there's yeah. there, there's there's no shade. Yeah, I, I and, and my wife's like, "Well, you must be really uh, hot to want to leave a Bills game at halftime." And it was like still a close score. I'm like, "Yep, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so yeah. So, anyways, m- m- moving on here, we'll start talk about, stop talking about temperature and weather for events. Uh, March of 2010, uh, new matches added to the WrestleMania Weekend shows are BXB Hulk versus New Rookie Doi, and an Open the Freedom Gate versus Open the Drake, Dream Gate double title match. Also, Jimmy Jacobs and Paul London versus Brian Kendrick and John Moxley on March 26th, and Tommy Dreamer versus Jacobs versus Moxley in an Extreme Rules match for March 27th. They also announced a working relationship with Ontario's Maximum Pro Wrestling, which is the group Scott D'Amore is now affiliated with. They will run shows on March 7th in the Windsor at the Armory and March 8th in Mississauga at the International Center. They'll also be doing pay-per-view tapings on July 24th in Philadelphia at the Arena, uh for the Enter the Dragon Gate first anniversary celebration and on September 29th in Chicago for Untouchable 2010. Added to the March 22nd Sumo Hall show is Moseto Yoshino and BXB Hulk versus Dragon Kid and Juventus Guerrero who's currently on tour with the group. Um, So this was a couple of years, this was a year and a half before I broke in but uh, I've said it on this show before here. A lot of my breaking in as a referee or just, like, traveling and doing ring shows was in Canada. And um, I'm having a hard time trying to remember Maximum Pro Wrestling. It had to yeah. be, like, a Windsor. But, see, they're running Mississauga.
1: Yeah, it was well, mostly, was it? if I remember right, I'm looking at, I'm bringing it up now, that Border City took time off in 09 uh, took a break and basically was replaced by MPW uh, by Maxim Pro Wrestling and from what I'm seeing they ran shows in Niagara Falls Windsor good amount of Windsor but mostly uh, most of their shows seem to be more of the Toronto area which makes sense that's where the that's where you're the vast majority of Canadians live so you got like North Bay, Brampton. Hamilton, how long did how Sunbury. long did they last? They went from March 2010 up until September 2012. They ran okay. one show in April 2013 and another in 2016. But they were pretty oh. much done in fall of 2012 and then Border so, yeah. City started back up in basically October 2012.
0: So, so by, yeah, by the time I was super active in Canada, it was probably late 2012, early 2013. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it just seemed like it seemed like it was just a stopgap in between BCW eras,
0: which, yeah. Cause like, I remember um, who, what was the really good promotion? Oh, why is, why is the name escaping me? That had, like, an affiliation with Ultimo Dragon. It was, like, UWF Hardcore or something like that.
1: UWA Hardcore?
0: UWA Hardcore, yeah. They were pretty good. They were very, uh... They were ahead of their time.
1: <laughs> yeah. For they sure. They were they're out of Mississauga. Um, I think they were, like, mid to late 2000s? They were
0: probably the most Dragon 8-gate-esque fed
1: in Canada. Yeah, they were, they were PWG in Canada, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they booked they booked Colin Delaney, uh, Jimmy Olsen, Cheech and Cloudy, Crew Express. They booked a lot of people local from our area, but but they also uh, they were big on Derek Wilde, Pepper Parks, Lionel Knight, uh, Sumo, Josh Prohibition, M-Dog, Matt Cross, I know Claudio worked up there, Sarah Del Rey, I think Chris Hero did for a while. They were like they were the big fed um, right around the time they were they were running before uh, before Ontario was deregulated yeah so when was when were they deregulated? I want to say oh nine or two thousand ten wasn't it?
0: I mean this last show has birdie Lee uh, defeating Jimmy Olson. Uh, Jennifer Blake defeating Lefisto. uh Sabian defeating Ricky Reyes. Uh, the Olsen Twins defeating Up and Smoke. Uh, the Flatliners defeating The Ring Quirks Best and Josh Berwish and Lionel Knight defeating Joey Potter and Osiris. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to I wanna say that, because I remember working in Canada around this time, 2005, 2006, and we still needed a License and we still had the commission, um, so I want to say like they closed it in eight, and I want to say they that they closed before it was deregulated yeah, so that, at that point like they were they they were like one of the only promotions running in Toronto at that point because again wrestling was not deregulated in the in the province.
0: Yeah, and they, they, they would run, and it looks like you know, like oh way to they moved to more Bolton, Ontario, Canada. But they did a lot of Mississauga and some Toronto. Uh, but yeah, and that's why, you know, and folks, you know, we sometimes veer off on this, but like, there's not enough out there for a UWA hardcore episode. It just, there isn't, you know. But I think it's one of those really cool promotions that gets lost in time because it didn't, it was ahead of its time. It didn't come in the super indie area, but yeah, if you can get your hand on some UWA hardcore stuff, watch it. It was really cool, and it was one of the first sweet, cool indies I ever heard of. Like being out here, like in college, and I'm like, oh yeah, the, the, this, this. They they bring in this name and this name and this name, and I'm like, what? Like, yeah,
1: it's like one of those uh, weird oases, where, like. Not that Toronto's in the middle of nowhere, but you're basically, you're, you're in an area where you're 5, 10, 15 hours away from any other major hotspot in wrestling. And they just have, like, all these names and all these people that were very, very influential to the area and to the scene at that point in time.
0: Yeah, I think when we were doing the This Day in Independent Wrestling history, and sorry we don't keep up on that anymore, I mean, that's, it was a very daunting task, but I kept it up for a long time, <laughs> but when we were doing that, um, I, I think I, I included like a UWA hardcore Resolve, and that, that got a lot of likes, people were like, oh, wow, like, what is this? You know, so, it's, it's just, like I said, it's one of those, uh, go back and, and watch that stuff and, and wish it was around today, as far as, as some of those mashes, so. Um, but yeah, uh, we will move on here in the notes and we're going to move here to March 15th, 2010 and the Dragon Gate Fearless pay-per-view poll results. So how did the Observer readers think about it? 37 thumbs up, zero thumbs down, and zero in the middle. Uh, not surprising. Um... Dave just goes on here. Uh, say the poll results on the front page pretty much tell the tale of Drayton Gay and pay-per-view. The company was hurt when the Dish Network dropped during the shows and never being a Direct TV cut down the potential audience as well. But even producing great shows, they don't appear to be growing. It appears the level they are enough to maintain. We're told the pay-per-view is at least some money, decent checks coming in each month. Now, the DVD sales are very good and they're moving merchandise as well. Selling tickets has been heard and expected, but that goes for everyone in the business that isn't WWE the phoenix show should do well particularly the march 27th show in phoenix is doing very well but gabe sapolsky readily admits phoenix numbers aren't indicative of anything even if they do a thousand both nights and they may hit the second night uh, with a good walk-up from a local community if the lucha libre marketing means anything they could approach it on the first night that isn't a sign that it's trending upward the Key going forward is that they will be mostly doing double shot weekends. Uh, the big expense is bringing the Dragon Gate wrestlers in from Japan and prorating it over two shows, which means they can do okay with over $350 per night. And that's the big thing, too. And I think we talked about it on previous shows is that half your roster, you're flying in from Japan. Like, not one name, not two names. You're flying in half your roster. <laughs> From Japan. So you really gotta make money on these
1: shows. Yeah, you have to spread them out. And this is before, uh, before WrestleCon, before uh, there were two dozen events, mainly a weekend, where if you bring in a guy from Japan, that you could spread them out. Like, you have, like, nowadays, you have, like, Alto Dragons coming in from, from Mexico, or you have Min- Minoru Suzuki coming in on a mania weekend, he's going to make enough money and he's going to be affordable to companies where you got WrestleCon, you have, uh, then you have the collective, you have the WrestleCon super show and every other event going on that he's bound to get work and he's gonna make money and he's gonna be cheap in the long run for, for everyone when you spread it out. This is before all that. So you got to think, Gabe's paying for these guys to come in for just a double shot.
0: Yeah, they, they're not. It's not like when. Yeah, it's not like when Suzuki comes and a bunch of promotions book Suzuki for six weeks. And no, it's literally in and out. You gotta hope they draw. You're not splitting the cost now. I don't remember because, like I said, I, you know we do apologize for the delay between shows. Did was it ever stated that Dragon Gate was paying Gabe? A good chunk of this? Or was I, he...
1: I don't believe so. It was like, hey, you could use our name?
0: <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, more, I'm sure uh, there was some financial thing from them, but like...
1: Yeah, I think that was probably more so was just uh, getting deals on names. And just the... He's still paying for flights, though. Like, those, those don't come cheap yeah and we at now like maybe uh from l a to phoenix is six hours so he could he might be able to save some money if he flies all of them into l a and then charters a bus or charters not even a bus he might just take a van charter one of those vans uh and drive them the rest of the way that could probably save him some money. And yeah. not having to do another layover in LA to get to Phoenix, um, but other than that, I think I think if anything, he might just be getting a discount on the the booking fee that's going back to the office.
0: Um, March twenty second, two thousand ten. Uh, WWE is being very strict with the talent and Phoenix. They want to keep everyone as occupied as possible. They don't want people wandering off to Dragon Gate or Ring of Honor shows, and people have been told specifically that they are not to attend. This has been told uh, that they expect TMZ cameramen everywhere, so don't expect something stupid and... Uh, don't do something stupid and get on TMZ. Um,
1: when was the Robbie McAllister thing?
0: The year before this, I think. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, because it was definitely pre Hogan. I believe, because I, I don't think. It's just, when was WrestleMania in Orlando? Like, that's the. Let's see, WrestleMania in Orlando. Which one? 2008. Yeah, 2008. Ago? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it was. It was 2000. It was uh, 2008.
0: Yeah, I I mean that, that probably was sparked some of this.
1: Uh, um, oh, but also, sure. Cause after yeah. I'm sure after that that became a, became an issue.
0: Yeah, and, and and this is I mean this is the beginning of the access era in the aspect of like they were ramping up access a lot. Um, you, you know if you had ever been to an access like literally like especially like when you're leading up to mania so you're th- your thursday or friday or saturday almost anybody whether they're a top star somebody in the mid card somebody on NXT a legend somebody there's a, a bunch of people signing at one point and they rotate them out so and the access goes from like 8 in the morning to like midnight it doesn't stop, and then and and then for a few years they were doing access matches. I remember a lot of the evolved talent was used in the ones in uh, New Orleans. I remember that. Uh, yeah,
1: because at at that time they were, at that time they did have the loose affiliation with WWE, so but and and it kept the guys busy. Yeah.
0: But WWE does this now. They try to—I mean, they—they—they they, they try to keep talent. There's access. There's celebrity appearances. There's this and there's that. Um, I mean, there's been numerous times where WWE will just pull people on WrestleCon during the weekend. Just pull. Well, them yeah, off. those
1: are those are the named talent, like a Bret Hart. They'll pull. Uh, they'll pull from WrestleCon and then stick them in access. But yeah. even even like you were saying with the Evolve guys, like they were. I remember a few years ago, they were using Evolve talent that were not exclusive to Evolve. They were also working indies. And WWE booked them and basically just cut them out from working any other indies. Yeah, I remember Keith Lee
0: Evolve. being one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, March 29, 2010, the Dragon Gate USA vs. Ring of Honor rivalry is heated up. As Dragon Gate USA has made an offer on March 26th in Phoenix, with when both groups are going head-to-head, offering $20 tickets to anyone who previously purchased a Ring of Honor ticket and brings their ticket stuff to the gate. They also are doing a late sale for the tickets. It looks like they are worried about filling the building with a- A&E filming Bob Saget's show at the event. They are doing a reality show with eight wrestlers who started filming on March 20th at a SoCal Pro Wrestling show in Oceanside, California. They can film on the March 26th show. The wrestlers are competing for something related to working with this promotion. The idea is that some unknown newcomers and some former names who have experience, but it fell by the wayside and are looking for a way back in. The eight are Johnny Yuma, Jason Watts, Jason Rondondo, David Flex. Luke Cox, Brad Bad, Christina Von Erie, and Extreme Loco. Teddy Hart is likely to appear in the March 26th show. He will not be advertised ahead of time. Gabe Sapolsky years ago vowed to never use Hart again since Hart never listens to what he's told and likes to go out there and show off doing moves whether they make sense in context in the match, his role in the match storyline or not.
1: That never changes. Um... Watch the documentary, folks. Yeah. So this this uh, this uh, Bob Saget reality show. Yeah, actually, it actually <laughs> comes to fruition like later on. I saw this in the you know, notes, and I, I'm like, wow, I don't remember this. Yeah, I don't remember either. But it, like, it debuted like six months later on TV, and actually did pretty well in the ratings. I remember at one
0: point Bob Saget was the commissioner of Chikara. Right? Is that what he
1: was? Yes. I think Chicago... <laughs> and he did one and video, and right? No, oh,
0: didn't he do a video for them, though? I don't or, remember,
1: but I just... Or was like, it I Coulier thought... who did? I think Coulier. it was Coulier. Coulier yeah. Coulier yeah. Like, I think Saget sent him a cease and desist, so they, they couldn't <laughs> use his name anymore.
0: Uh, March 31st, uh, 2010. This is from The Figure Four Weekly. Uh, it USA ran Friday and Saturday night. Actually, you know, hold on. Sorry, folks. We... We do we got too distracted by the Bob Sagan reality show. The twenty dollar ticket deal so is that like hey, don't go to the Ring of Honor show, bring your stub and we'll give you twenty dollar tickets. Like Yeah, I don't know. Does how that much mean, are like, you charging tickets? <laughs> yeah,
1: is that well, they're probably charging fifty dollar tickets. But like, does that mean like can you take a ticket stub after you've already went to one of the shows and uh, well, it has to be a head-to-head show, so you you can't unless you like unless you go to Ring of Honor for like, the first half and then drive across town and to see the main event of Dragon Gate. Yeah, but like that's still that's very that's very vindictive. That's going beyond just a friendly competition.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, the- we're,
1: we're we're beyond a friendly competition when Ring of Honor forced Davey not to work the show, so I think I think we're past that point and at this point that's why we just gave just trying to get one back at Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah, there's all there is uh some real heat here, folks. This is we've talked about wrestling rivalries between promotions on this show a lot, but this might be one of the most intense ones as far as just trying to sabotage each other uh each other's business.
1: Um, and, and in classic uh, wrestling turf wars, it's only the office that has the issue. Like, the workers don't care.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the, uh, uh, a date's a date, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's not an XPW ECW type situation. Like, wrestlers are all, all the wrestlers get along.
0: All right, so um, now I can discuss uh, March 31st, 2010 from the Figure Four Weekly. Uh, Dragon at USA ran Friday and Saturday night at the Celebrity Theater. It was an awesome venue for wrestling. We did hear complaints that the ring was on a raised stage, and if you were in the front row, it was hard to see guys on the far side of the ring from you uh, because they were taping for TV. A lot of fans in the general seating area got moved down to better seats. So the celebrity theater, so that that was,
1: I think I think I did look that up. Yeah, the previous episode. episode yeah, we did. Where, yeah, like it was. I think it was like a theater in the round, was what it what it looked yeah. like. I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a theater in the round. So and there was a platform in the middle, so the fans. It's not really like a high platform. It's basically like it's basically just like a stage, like you'd probably deal with in a comedy club, where it's probably like. Three four feet up, and and people sitting like right up against the stage.
0: Yeah, so if you do, it's just a slight thing to make you a li- little higher. So it's it. Somebody explained it to me years ago. It's like an attention thing. Like people want to look up more than they look straight. You know, so you want a stage, especially in comedy and wrestling. I mean, you're already kind of grabbing the attention with the ring, but Okay. Uh, me.
1: Yeah. let me uh send a picture in in the chat. Uh, not the Zoom chat, the other chat. Um, picture of this uh, Phoenix Theater from their website of an MMA show with the uh, with the octagon.
0: Oh yeah, that uh that looks really cool.
1: Yeah. But it doesn't it's doesn't look big so like if they're having fans move from the top seats down that's not it's not that impressive
0: is that since I believe you've produced a show there is that how center stage is There's a little different
1: layout no center stage isn't in the round uh, it's more of stage, a square yeah center stage has an actual stage at the one end you can never tell
0: though when you watch power hour and everything back in the day because of the rotating ring so you almost thought it was around. Yeah.
1: Well, see, this is the this is the thing that, like, I don't think a lot of people realize, but I've kind of went back. I went back and studied Saturday Night Tapings before before we produced in Center Stage. That the stage was never there. It was all one level. And there, so there was a lot more space on the floor. Now they have, a, they have the elevated stage against the wall. Uh, so now there's there's a lot less space so you put a ring on the floor the ring is basically up against the stage and there's really no room on the floor for seating so it really cuts down how it looks there so unfortunately you can't do a rotating ring and the stage also prevents you from actually like getting that the previous shot the previous camera shot where like you're on the where you're like pointing towards the the uh elevated seating for the bleachers like that shot's kind of possible at this point with with the stage there, which kind of kind of sucked. I was really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, there's still a lot of cool members that were in center stage, and it's cool you get to do that. And
1: uh, you oh yeah, back, I remember. You, I
0: remember you're, walking. you to be back there soon, right? I think right. Uh, TBA.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, uh, I remember, not TBA.
0: Right? <laughs> yes.
1: yes. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, no, I remember. Uh, Side note, like, walking through the hallways and with Emil and just being like, Emil, you know, this is the exact spot that Paul Heyman threw a garbage can in the general direction of Ric Flair.
0: <laughs> I just would have been like, right here is with High Voltage defeated <laughs> Rough and Ready. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Oh, the memories that, <laughs> that built me.
0: or, or defeated Disorderly Conduct in their in their feud. You know. Listen, I love going back, and I know this isn't a WCW show, but I love going back and watching those Power Hours and WorldWides and Saturday Nights and watching the mini angles that were happening that you never saw on Nitro,
1: ever. No, because Jimmy Hart was booking, and like, no, one, no one cared. Just, we
0: had this conversation like just, just er, earlier today off-air. It would be cool if AEW just had somebody else book Elevation and dark, and just turn it into its own angles, own storylines, it's crazy that, that
1: that needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, like not um, talking about return, but like it, like you have enough people on the roster. Like, yeah, start running mini angles on dark and elevation, like they, they did with Joey and Sunny Kiss. But yeah, but have that. There's, but they could do oh, more. Quite of a few, those. yeah, yeah. Make it make make it interesting. Um, like,
0: yeah. Uh, April fifth, two thousand. This is the all right. So this is a big one here. This is the WrestleMania weekend recap here uh, from Dave. So WrestleMania weekend is also known for Ring of Honor running some of its biggest shows of the year because tens of thousands fans travel from all over the world to the host city. In the past, Dragon Gate would send talent to the Ring of Honor shows. With the business split, there end up being a situation where both Dragon Gate USA and Ring of Honor both ran shows on March twenty sixth and March twenty seventh. Drag USA ran the Celebrity Theater Friday and Saturday night. The second night was the pay-per-view taping that drew maybe 500 fans. They did a lot less than Ring of Honor, but they were also charging a lot more for tickets, so it probably was a wash in terms of revenue made on ticket sales. The Celebrity Theater, which seats about 2,500, was an awesome venue for wrestling. The only problem was that they put the ring on a raised stage, and if you had front row seats, you couldn't see the far side of the ring. A lot of people were moved either up to better seats uh, or down to Phillips seats for cameras. The biggest problem with the Saturday show was the lack of crowd reactions for much of it. I know that personally it was my third show in 24 hours, and some even went to Ring of Honor or Dragon Gate USA, uh, Ring of Honor Saturday afternoon, the Hall of Fame, and then this show. So that would have been four in 24 hours. Well, Dave, wait till you see 10 years from then. Now people Dave, get attacked.
1: Dave goes to like one show now. Yeah. Right? And, and and then says he has no
0: time. I mean I think like in like one day you could probably see six to seven shows on a Mania Weekend day. <laughs> you really could.
1: Yeah. Um I think like this coming Mania weekend, I believe Russell Kahn and the collective is only maybe 20 minutes away, 15 minutes. That's even in L.A. traffic. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not hard to like bounce back and forth. Plus, all the other companies are going to be running. I'm sure companies that haven't, haven't announced dates. I'm sure they're looking for venues in the North Hollywood uh, area just because that's the central location where everyone's running.
0: Yeah, I think in one day I, I, I worked three shows and attended, or worked two shows and attended three. So...
1: Was that Mania last year? Yeah, last year? yeah, last year.
0: Yeah, that was on that Saturday. Yeah, because I, I I watched your LA Fight show, and then... Or was that the, the Effie show? I can't remember. I can't remember which one it was. It was on a Sunday, I don't remember, but...
1: I don't know, I produced JCW vs. LA Fights one yes. morning, and Effie's Big Gay Brunch the next morning,
0: and... Yeah, I think it might have been at Friday, yeah. But anyways, yeah, so yeah, but... My point is, is that was a lot back then, it was wow. These companies, there's going to be four other options other than the Hall of Fame and W.
1: Didn't like, one of your shows is like forty minutes away too, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that one in Arlington, like you, you traveled. I tr
0: I, I put on five hundred miles on a a car from Thursday to Monday. <laughs>
1: like, and the metro play, like that's. We that's a lot in the Metroplex too, yeah. Even for but the Metroplex. nothing's
0: really that close. And then, I'll, like, and I was doing some runs. Like, I had to run Zach to Fort Worth for Zello Pro and our and,
1: camera uh, guys. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we yeah, we,
1: we, we greatly appreciate you.
0: Yeah, I was a I was a GoPro runner on top of the million other things I was doing that weekend.
1: You were the random goon for us. <laughs> no, thanks.
0: <laughs> as, as as long as as long as I, I could be called the goon,
1: no, a goon.
0: Oh, damn! No, come on. Uh, here, here's the results <laughs> from that show, uh, March 20th. But if mean, you guys can tell that Ash and I haven't traveled a lot together because we're just having fun banter while doing the show. So we apologize if you don't like it. and If you like it, great. <laughs>
1: But uh, March 26th. Yeah, we had, we had, we've seen each other like one time in the last six months. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is, We're just, we're, we're letting it, we're, we're having fun, letting it all fly. Uh, March 26th, uh, Phoenix, Dragon Gate USA drew 450 on this. Yamato beat Luke Cox. Uh, Jenki Huruguchi, and Susumi Yokosuga beat Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw. Yamato beat TJP. John Moxley and Brian Kendrick beat Paul Mullen and Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, Masato Yoshino beat Shingo. LA Park and El Hio de Rey Mysterio uh, beat Derek Nikirk and GQ Gallo. Uh by DQ. Open the Freedom Gate title. BXB Hulk uh, defeated Narookie Doi. Shima and Gamma and Dragon Kid beat the Young Bucks and Jack Evans. Um Derek Nikirk, that was like an That was an old FCW guy, right?
1: Uh no, I think because that name
0: sounds familiar, and I want to say
1: Heartland. He was trained by Les.
0: Oh, okay, but did he spend any time in developmental? Like, I feel like he was a de- like after Heartland.
1: Yes, actually, he. I don't know if he's. He had a handful of matches. Oh, FCW. Yeah. So yeah. I think
0: I, think I yeah, remember. Yeah, he was
1: WWE. Was it, wait a minute, WWE 28 matches? Oh, okay. Deep South, OVW, FCW. Yeah, he was under. Oh, so he he, yeah. He Apparently was
0: he, tw- he was in movies, too.
1: Oh, he was in ECW. He was the private sec- in Private Security Force. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, he was, was he one of the, he was Knight-Kirk one Kirk and yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. Yes, that's right. Yep, yeah. I know that name sounded familiar. That's an odd one to be on this show. Uh.
1: Uh, but it seems. sure. But most of it was just house shows. Like, he had. They had one actual TV match where Bobby Lashley defeated the private security force on ECW and Sci Fi. So he that, had a good. So he was on the road for a little while with them.
0: I hate that when you look up El Hero Her, 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 de Riversterio, Mysterio, now you get Dominic. <laughs> Even though that's not who that was, folks. Uh. I'm pretty sure it's... Is it Ray Horace now? He, he changed his name. And uh, uh, Let's see here. Hey, Ray Horace? Uh, maybe not. Maybe he's still a hero name Mysterio. I want to say Ray Horace was also related. Because I'm pretty sure Ray Horace was the one that Mysterio was like mentoring in Lucha Underground as a storyline.
1: If I can rest... Let's see.
0: Cage match, there we go. This will
1: Cage match be like, lists a lot of El Hero Dean, Rey Mysterios. Yeah, so it's just got the first... So, maybe I'm
0: wrong with the Ray then thing Thing then. I wasn't sure. I, I want to say Ray, Ray, Ray Horus was still related, but I could be
1: completely uh, hold on, wrong
0: with look. that.
1: Um...
0: No, wait a minute. Actually, yeah. For, uh, he was El Hio De Rey Mysterio 2. Okay. Oh, and, and El Hio De Rosario. Mysterio. Okay, yes. Dragon Axe Teca is what he was in in uh, Lucha Underground. Yes. Okay. Yep. And Rey Mysterio trained him. Uh, and that would be Rey Mysterio the uh, Senior was the one who trained him. Um, okay okay yes i knew it i i knew yes yeah i was right like that there the, said so that was just yeah so yeah like w- looking at this show i mean and this is 2009 ray horse is still out there uh i believe it works like mlw and uh i believe could be wrong for triple a and all that um la park still doing this thing uh you know, we've we've talked about the guys in Japan still doing their thing, but you I mean, you got uh, Jimmy Jacobs on the show, Paul London, um, the Young Bucks, Jack Evans. So Luke Hawks has been doing crazy stuff with the uh, stunts and all that. Heavily, if if, yeah. if re- wrestling is affiliated, usually either Chavo Guerrero or Luke Hawks are doing the stunts. So,
1: so, so yeah. uh, and there's a match that uh, there's a dark match that wasn't listed. That Dave didn't list, according to Cage Match, a eight way fray match where Brad Allen defeats Brandon Cutler, Dustin Cutler, Wow, Dave Christ, Jake Christ, Malachi Jackson, Kremiria, and the Prophet. That's a random eight eight person match. Okay, so there is one and thing. Kremiria that- would have been uh, Jesus Rodriguez. Or Ricardo Rodriguez, actually. Oh,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, that was his yeah Lucha gimmick, yeah. Um, so that's
1: that. That is a match that is worth watching all by itself if it's out there.
0: Uh, so, and uh, Dave might touch on this, but I. So he said how like the Friday night show was going to be very lucha libre based. When I look at it here, I mean, you got L.A. Park and El Hijo de Mysterio, like. Your WrestleMania weekend, now, granted, this is 2009, it's not 2022, but, like, maybe try to get Whovie, Psychosis, you know, I'm trying to think of who were the, the up-and-coming luchadores in that period. They really weren't working the States, because it was, like, Mystico and a few others, They, you know, but Cybernetico could have probably came over the border. I mean, you had potential here. Plus, Phoenix is not far from, from Mexico City. I think as far as the flight and
1: all that. No, not at all. That's definitely not that far.
0: Uh, the first night of Phoenix on March 26th drew 450 fans for a weird show. They had advertised it heavily in Hispanic community, using L.A. Park as the big draw, Timmy with El Helio de Mysterio. The Hispanic fans, which made up half the audience, didn't care about the Dragon Gate guys or the Americans, no matter what they did. That's why I'm saying more Lucha Libre on this show probably would have been a good idea. Uh, but they went crazy for Park in particular, and because of it, the match was the most heated thing on the show. But For the fans who came to see Dragon Gate USA, that, that, their match went on forever, 22 minutes and 50 seconds, and those pe- to those people it hurt the show. The show was not taped for pay-per-view as prior, Dragon Gate USA shows have been, since now when they do two shows on a tour, they do one as a pure DVD taping. Bob Saget's sh- reality show, Strange Days, did a deal where eight independent wrestlers were vying for a shout at the to top indie group, which is how Dragon Gate USA will be pushed on the show. There will be a lot of footage on the show which airs an AE and with Luke Hawks, formerly Altabre Luke of XBW and Wrestle Society X, uh, being pushed as a guy who was once an indie star on the comeback trail and winning the contest. His reward was a match for Yamato, the Dragon Gate Champion. Yamato won with a brain buster in 4 minutes and 1 second, wanting to keep it short for the TV show. Genki Horiguchi and Susumi Okusuka beat... Mike Quackabush and Jigsaw in a real good match even though Quackabush and Jigsaw have been necessarily uh, have been necessarily replaced the Young Bucks as the top American team they lost here because Yokosuka was getting a shot at the Open the Dream Gate title on the second night so he needed a win Yamato came back for a second match with TJP uh, winning the title with a, a, a dujame sleeper, uh, sorry if I mispronounced no. that, uh, said to be a great ground match. Now, John Moxley, Brian Kendrick beat Paul London and Jimmy Jacobs. When Kendrick pinning Jacobs, London was going to do a dive, but Kendrick yelled at him. Uh, yelled at him that it wasn't worth doing moves like this to satisfy his fans. Teddy Hart then showed up unannounced to a degree. Uh, it was out there that he'd be there, but the company didn't want to make an official announcement in case he no-showed, since he's got a reputation as being a head case, and told London that he didn't have any bowls or confidence in Denim, Salt and a dive. Uh, London did the dive on Hart, where Hart was injured. Masato Yoshino pinned Shingo with the soul on uh, Nassan uh, Moxley came out to talk with Shingo. The idea was to have someone speaking English be in all the Dragon Gate factions for the U.S. market, so they have someone to do promos. Park and Mysterio uh, beat Nikirk and Gallo, two local indie guys. They did the long match going 23 minutes, much longer than they were supposed to go. Gallo used a low blow at Pin Park, but the ref the, reversed the decision when finding out it was a low blow. Uh, they kind of went into business for themselves, doing a lucha-style finish. BXB Hulk pinned Rookie doy, and what was billed as an Open the Freedom Gate versus Open the Dragon Gate title, uh, but Dway lost the title a few days earlier at Sumo Hall, as it was only for the Freedom Gate belt. Said to be excellent, main event was Shima and Gamma and Dragon Gate over the Yacht Bucks and Jack Evans in 18 minutes and one second. When Shima pinned Matt Jackson. Uh, Fast paced, real good matches you expect with great dives, good comedy, and cane shots. A um, couple things. You know, we talked about like this, like, you know, Dragon Gate puts Gabe in charge of this, right? Why are they not telling him, hey, we're going to take the title off, don't we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Um, Because they're carnies.
0: Yeah. Um, also back to the point I was making you're you're trying on the first night to get a huge Lucha Libre crowd right now you only bring in Park Mysterio and you book them against two local guys I mean granted they're probably old school heels and can take the moves but why are you not bringing in other Lucha guys <laughs> to work them you know who would have been great in this spot Damien say say say, and uh, and Halloween. I think Halloween was still working at this time, or it may Basita might have been working at this time. To be honest with you, like, yeah. I don't know. Am, am I st- st- stuck up on this, like,
1: I mean, it, it's it's. It's, it's hard to say like who would have been the best for that role, but it definitely would have been they definitely would have had they definitely could have found better opponents for him than they did.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here.
1: Uh. Yeah, next part of the notes is just the, the actual pay-per-view write-up, but uh, we can wait until we get later on until it airs on TV.
0: Yeah, we, we yeah we kind of and talked about the big parts here. Uh, they do mention on the March seventh uh, show in Windsor, Ontario. March eighth show in Toronto uh, will include Yamato, BxB Hulk, Masato Yoshino, Shingo, Dragon Kid, Pock, Masaka Mochizuki, Jigsaw, John Moxley, Granikuma, and Hollow Wicked. The first night was billed as Hulk, Hulk and Pock versus Yamato and Shingo. Hulk versus Shino for the Open of Freedom Gate title. Headlines the Toronto show. Yeah, so we'll talk about... Yeah, let's... We can go over what? the
1: notes here, just because I don't... Uh, I don't think I actually put the write-up in in the notes for when the pay-per-view aired.
0: Yeah, so we'll just do this. This is for the March 27 show, so we'll go back a little bit. Uh, TJP beat brad allen a non-pay-per-view opener uh it was a three-star match but tjp is good but small and allen played the big heel uh jigsaw mike weckiewicz beat the young bucks this was not scheduled for the pay-per-view but tebulski said it's possible we'll end up on it it's the bucks final show as they were doing it based on a commitment before signing with tna this one was long choreographed high spot uh w- wasn't really my kind of match because the bucks spent a lot of time looking around and telegraphing where the next spot was going to happen hold on folks did Dave Meltzer just said uh, this Young Bucks match? Was it his type of kind of match?
1: Actually, I think this might <laughs> be an Alvarez. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes way more
0: sense. Um, I can't see Dave ever saying that.
1: No, no, he never will. <laughs> uh
0: Very different for the polished Dragon Gate performers who know exactly where they need to be at every moment. But the fans loved it and gave it a standing ovation afterwards. Uh, uh, Shingo uh, beat uh, Haraguchi in a three and a quarter star match. It's a good pro wrestling match. Fans love Shingo, but didn't get into Genki at all that much much, which kind of surprised me. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs and Jack Evans beat Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Long story, Teddy Harris was supposed to be doing a smash teaming with Evans. They did an angle on the Friday night show which involved in doing what else? A flip. And he landed on his head and suffered a shoulder injury. Uh, so he came out here to cut this long rambling promo talking about how he got hurt doing this spot with Kendrick, but he was going to forgive him just like his favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels forgave Bret Hart and how he retired at 21, but came back because he loved the fans and would do anything for him as is very sorry that he couldn't wrestle tonight. He said he was a Jedi master and passing the torch to Jimmy Jacobs and all this and that. I just shaking my head. Uh, this isn't a visual podcast, but I'm just I'm just shaking my head. Um, Kendrick and London uh, attacked him, gave him a little blow. Jack Evans made the save and got the tag match. It was good in spots, not good in others. London has put a lot of weight on in the midsection. Uh, they've added stip that the loser of the fall had to leave Dragon Gate. Since Kendrick is going full-time with TNA... He lost and is done. London went nuts afterwards, and Teddy came back out and returned the favor by giving him a low blow. This was maybe one and a half star. It really didn't work. Um, all right, here we go. Here's something I want to talk about. John Moxley beat Tommy Dreamer. In <laughs> a, at a uh, two and a half star hardcore match, Moxley is way bigger than I thought having watched him on DVD. Christina Von Eerie of AAA was used as Moxley second in this match, largely so she could take the Beulah driver spot. Uh, Yamato beat uh, Susumi Yokosuka to retain the Open the dr- Dream Gate title match. Really good in the 3.5 star range, but it was hurt badly by the lack of crowd reactions for a lot of it. I think the lack of heat also affected the wrestlers, as I can imagine, making it hard for them to go in there and uh, give it all you got. Fans did get into some of the near falls in the end, but it was going—it uh, was rough going there for a while. Main event was an awesome Dragon Gate 6-Man with BXB Hulk and Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi beating Gama, Shima, and Dragon Kid. A four and a half star match, probably just below the level of the Friday Night American Wolves tag, but a match I would can see others saying it was even better. Even had a few people saying it was better than Michaels vs. Undertaker. Just a tremendous match. My only complaint was that they did a spot where Hulk was sitting on someone's shoulders on the top rope, and the kid gave him a gigantic springboard reverse Frankensteiner, then followed up on an awesome springboard huracanrana, and the place was jumping up and down just absolutely nuts, and then Hulk kicked out. Yes, I mean, it, it sounds like the second night. Big success as far as match
1: quality here. Um, and the the match that Alvarez is talking about with the American Wolves was the Wolves against the Briscoes the night before
0: I don't see a report here for the attendance on night two
1: I don't believe it was listed anywhere I wonder if it drew better than the
0: Lujo Libre show that'd be interesting since they said half the crowd was there for the Lujo Libre
1: match I mean, look what's on cage match Yeah, cage match isn't listed at all either, so it might I mean, not have been released
0: what fans probably did. I mean, because they so actually, this kind of makes sense. Fans probably went to the Ring of Honor show on Friday, brought that ticket up on Saturday, and went to Dragon Gate USA. Yeah. That's probably how they did the double dip. Um,. We'll move on, though. April 19, 2010. Ken Gilman has added a Lucha Libre group to pay-per-view with a similar deal as Dragon Gate USA doing bi-monthly taped pay-per-view shows. The debut show uh, is to be taped on March or, I'm sorry, May 2nd in Mexico City. This was the show listed here last week on April 25th in Yonkers, New York, with the debut date on June 11th in In Demand Systems. Like with Dragon Gate, there's no clearance on either DirecTV or Dish Network, which hurts a lot because people with the DirecTV on average are more likely to buy a pay-per-view than any Group. The promotion will be called Viva La Lucha, run by Ruben Zamora's Mass Republic Company and tape shows in the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, the show will be taped in HD and have both English and Spanish language announcing. They will debut a show called iRevolution. Viva La Lucha shows will air on peer review during the months of Dragon Gate USA doesn't. At one point, the promotion that ended up as Evolve was going to fill the bill running each month during the USA didn't run. But things happened. Largely, Brian Danielson, who figured to be the star of the group signing, with did in evolve, evolve, went into a different direction.
1: Um, so, yeah. Uh, you did the, this you looked us up, right? Of the, the, the fact that who is also involved in Viva La Lucha, Mr. Hmm. Kevin Kleinrock.
0: Yes. Uh, well, her so, master Republican, I've... I've Ruben Zamora is an but I was pretty sure Mass Republic is Kevin Kleinrock's
1: baby, right? No, it is. It's yeah. later <laughs> in the notes, he's said, I just wanted to this this is in the notes for two reasons. Number one, because uh obviously because it's Kevin Kleinrock and we can't do an episode without mentioning Kleinrock. <laughs> he's on everyone, yeah. He's <laughs> on every episode. Um, but also the fact is very interesting that Dragon Gate, uh Dragon Gate's whole plan was to run every other month with Evolve on the off months, and now a competing company's doing it—they're running every other month, and it kind of like locks in Dragon Gate. So, like my big question on this is if Gabe—if if Dragon Gate went a certain way where he where Gabe wanted to expand, was he now locked into only six sh- six pay per views a year? Because Viva La Lucha now has the other dates. Like, it's so, very interesting.
0: Yeah, and Viva La Lucha really didn't... It, it, it didn't pick up steam. Um, I'm looking here. They only have two results in 2010 and one in 2011. Now, in 2015, they're back. And they're running in Florida. And then they're part of the World Wrestling Network, which was Gabe Sapolsky's. Um,
1: Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying like they're, but it's interesting. they're like, competing with
0: them. Like four years like, wow. later he picks, but I wonder if he ever had, if he maybe had somewhat of a stake then, because four years later, five years later in context of the notes right now, he runs, or maybe he's not the sole promoter, but they're affiliated with him. I'm interested yeah. to see. So where, where are we on the notes here? We're in, Two thousand ten. I mean May. there's
1: there's more there's more of our Viva yeah. Lucha as we as we move on here. Okay. So maybe okay, do they start.
0: list do they list the May second
1: results? I think so. Um
0: just kinda of give a, a taste of what this Fed is.
1: No, I don't think I put the results in. I, okay. I can pull up. So I, can, I, uh, I, got, I, I
0: got a pull up here. So just to kind of give an example, um, you got Damien Say here, Charlie Manson, Halloween, um, Supreme is here, uh, El Hey Mysterio, um, Mr. Aguila.
1: A lot of XPW influence, too, which makes yes. sense Fine Rock.
0: And this was the time, too, remember when... Uh, they were having those uh, opening pre-show matches with a bunch of Lucha Libre on XPW. Yes. Yeah. And it, well, it was obviously before this time, but like that was definitely an influence, probably from Kevin Klein Rock as well. Um, all right. Yeah. So yeah, but Viva La Lucha didn't really pick up. Uh, Lucha Libre, I think, really got its popularity. I mean, obviously, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and those stars help, but I, I I, really do feel Lucha Underground really helped Lucha Libre in the States a lot. And, you know, it might not have been the most viewed program and, and all that, but I feel there were stars that. You know, unless they were in WCW, WWE, or you know, you never or TNA, you never heard of. And they introduced a lot of people, the stars like El Tejano, I don't think ever appeared for any of the major companies, and here he was. There, Tahano Junior was on uh, TV uh, for Lucha Underground. Um, and I was thinking about this other day, and I know we're veering off the conversation here, but I do want to bring this up. Lucha Libre USA was something that was true, and maybe we'll do an episode on this. Was something that even had an MTV2 deal and didn't work. And it blows my mind that it didn't work. And it was around the same time, I think, as Lucha Underground. Like, what did they not do that Lucha Underground did? You know, yeah, I mean? uh, probably a lot of the cinematography was, was awesome on Lucha yeah, Underground. I,
1: but... well, I think Lucha Underground had a. Lutron lasted as long as it did because it was owned by the network. Yeah. Because El Rey had a stake in there and I think that's as as grim as I want that as that sounds that seems to be a deciding factor with a lot of companies that last for a long time is TNA uh, multiple other companies like that's if the television network has a financial stake in it, they tend to last longer. Yeah. Well,
0: well, yeah, because you, you want it to work. Um, yeah, and like I said, Lucha Libre USA is something we could possibly do in a future episode because uh, that always befuddled me. You were on MTV Two when TNA was struggling to stay on a relevant station, or Impact Wrestling was at that point, and you're on MTV Two.
1: And it didn't work out. (laughs) But it's, uh, yeah, I know. And and I'm sure, like, I I don't know if we'll ever do an episode, but, like, I do want to mention Women of Wrestling that, as you know, being on uh, WrestleNomics, well, they're getting 300,000 viewers a week at this point. Which is, like, they're so far under the radar that, and we we talk about a lot of these other companies now.
0: And they're doing better ratings than Impact. And New yeah.
1: Japan, <laughs> look, they're base, they're they're competing they're they There could be a
0: rampage.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're closing on rampage, especially in the P demos.
0: Yeah, and, and so yeah, Lucha Libre USA was on MTV Two in like 2013 when TNA was like trying to stay on Destination America. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> look.
1: yeah, it's it boggles the mind.
0: But, yeah. Sorry to win this tangent, but Viva La Lucha, which put me in this... Because, like I said, just the other day, I was thinking of Lucha Libre USA. I was like, yeah, that, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? But um, Anyways, yeah, May 10, 2010... Uh uh, back to the notes here in the show. Uh, the next peer review era on May 14th. Uh, the July peer review called Uprising will be taped on March 8th in Mississauga, Ontario, which should be a hot crowd. And you should, uh, you've should you got a strong lineup with BXB Hulk defending the Open the Freedom Gate title uh, against Masato Yoshino during Kid and Shima versus Yamato and Shiko Takagi. Uh, Naruki Doi and Pac versus Quack and Bush and Jigsaw. Uh, Motosuki versus Akira Tozawa. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs versus John... Jean- Moxley, plus appearing are The Grand Akuma, Hollow Wicked, and Tyson Dukes. Canada, so not surprised Tyson Dukes is there. Uh, May 7th in Winter is Hulk and Pock vs. Yamano Takagi, Dragon Kid vs. Yoshino, 2 out of 3 falls, Doi vs. Mochizuki, John Moxley vs. Phil Atlas for the FIP title, Shima vs. Jacobs, and Quackabush and Jigsaw versus Akuma and Tozawa.
1: Now, um, I think this is pretty smart running in Mississauga and Toronto, just because uh, flights from Japan to Toronto are pretty reasonable.
0: It's, and the, the 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 one Toronto airport's in Mississauga too, and it seems to be, like, I flew out of there to go international to Korea and to Indonesia, so...
1: Um, I mean, Mississauga isn't that far anyways from Toronto. Toronto is a huge metropolitan area where I'm just driving to but yeah it's basically like uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a good uh sort of like uh Dallas and Arlington is probably like the best the best way to relate it to uh to people that might not be familiar with Toronto kind of like Toronto is the major city Mississauga is like the neighboring suburb, so it's it's pretty, they're pretty close um but but still far enough away where like you can run a double shot where you're running Toronto and you're on Mississauga um maybe even like running like Los Angeles and Anaheim or like in traffic it could be like 30 minutes 45 minutes, so you're running a you're running a double shot. It's really not going to... like. It's close enough where you're going to get fans that are going to go back and forth. They're going to go to both events. But it's not enough where you're going to kill one single market. You're going to get unique fans from each from each city.
0: Um, So, I want to look this up here. So, uh, uh, Phil Atlas is a guy, uh, long-time Canadian worker, but worked a lot in Japan. And... I know Japan can be very territorial when it comes to, like, the the top five or six promotions. Like, I don't think they care if you work for a small indie, but, like, usually, like, if you work for New Japan, they don't want you working for All Japan or, or, or Dragon Gate or oh. Mochi, Michinoko <laughs> Pro or, you know Or jobbing
1: I mean? like, in one of their affiliates.
0: Yeah. So, Phil Atlas, at the same time that he's appearing for Dragon Gate USA... Is working for all Japan.
1: There's some weird uh, situations stuff. I probably all right.
0: It looks like about. it's a little later in the year, so okay. I guess that's not. But he. But the next year he works all Japan, and then Noah and New Japan. <laughs> it's
1: there's some things like I'll keep it vague because I shouldn't really like. There's certain things that uh, I don't want to get in the specifics of, but. Like I've produced talent that work for one work for a a lucha libre promotion against someone that works for a Japanese promotion that do not have a talent exchange program, and it really goes under the radar a lot of times.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's a lot of was, but I mean, also too, I'm not sure. Worth the stances on the on the Gaijins, um, I know because it, it, some people did double dip in the eighties and nineties and got away with it. I think Hanson was a big one of it.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean we 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 see we saw it with Forbidden Door with yeah AEW where uh, there were some guys if they had a deal with AAA they couldn't work that because of the New Japan connection. But at the same time, like I said, I've worked. Indie shows with participants that have AAA connections against people that have New Japan connections. And certain things can go under the radar, certain things like the office is fine with. I guess it just depends on like the time of day and yeah. who you talk to and to get the okay on certain things like that.
0: So, yeah, we got Akira was here too, which, uh, you know, I mean, he is a WB stalwart at this point. Uh, tozawa was been on WWE TV for a long time. Um, I hate going to uh, no, Yeah, no, yeah. So, so yeah. But uh, we'll get into the uh, the Canadian shows. Uh, March 17, 2010 from the uh, Observer. Uh, March 7th of Windsor, Ontario. Drew about 200. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, beat Brett Banks. Uh, if you don't know who Brett Banks is, we were talking about him off air. Really great underrated Canadian wrestler. Look him up. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw beat Gran Akuma and Akira Tazawa. Uh, FIP title John Moxley beat Phil Atlas. Uh, Shima beat Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, Mochizuki beat Nuruki Doi. Tyson Dukes and John Bolin beat Extremo and Brad Martin. Uh, two That's out a of match. Th- yeah. Was Extremo the same one that was working Ballpark Brawls as
1: Super Extremo? Yes, I believe so.
0: Okay. Um,. Two out of three falls. Yoshi beat Dragon Kid and Shingo and Yamato beat BXP Hulk and Pock.
1: And, uh, and just to just to add your uh, Brent Banks comment, uh, I think the best way to equate him to like today's wrestling is like a like uh, like a Blake Christian. Yeah, uh, like he was working up until the pandemic in Canada. He was. Quite active in Smash in Greek Town, and a lot of feds are in the Toronto area. He just hasn't been active since. I
0: heard he uh, came back.
1: It could be wrong. I heard he just just came back. He uh, might have, but I haven't. Yeah. It might have been to Greek Town. Yeah, uh, that's what I think it was,
0: but yeah. I, I could be wrong on that.
1: Um, but uh, yeah, it's probably the best way he played it. Like he was a he can do a lot of uh, a lot of in inhuman inhuman things like, uh, like, Brooke, like Christian can. And,
0: uh, the March 8th results here, uh, we have, uh, in a tag team match, Chris Chambers and Michael Elgin uh, defeat Kenneth crisis and Mike Rollins, psycho Mike Rollins, another one underrated Canadian wrestler. Look him up. Uh, eight way fray elimination match, uh, birdie Lee defeats, uh, Anthony Fiasco and Brett B and Cheech and Cloudy and Kyle O'Reilly and Phil Atlas and Extremo. So yeah, man, we got Cheech, Cloudy, Kyle O'Reilly, Birdie Lee, Brent Banks in that match. Sounds pretty good.
1: And, and um, just your, your comment about Mike Rollins, he is the individual that lost to a dog that <laughs> <yeah>. went viral. <laughs>
0: that made Jim Cornette mad.
1: Yes. Oh, everything makes Cornette mad. But yes. yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's Go Psycho Mike. I enjoyed it. it, it, it
0: I to enjoyed me, it was very it. Nice. I've,
1: <laughs> I've roughed matches with Psycho Mike Rollins that went 25 minutes and included three bumps in the entire match. Yeah, no, He's he's very unique and very creative on what he does. So yeah, look him up. It's just a uh, shame. Like, he's <laughs> one of those many guys that just have not moved on.
0: I remember uh, a buddy of ours was on that show and he texted us he goes, yeah, Psycho Mike just put this dog over it. was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, also on the show, Machizuki, uh defeats Tozawa, Akuma uh, defeated Dukes, Moxley over Jacobs, uh, Naruki, Dewey, and Pac uh, defeated Jigsaw and Mike Quackenbush, and Shingo and Yamato defeat Shima and Dragon Kid, and in the main event for the Open Freedom Gate title, BXP Hulk defeats Mosado Yoshino. All right. All right. So, and then we have uh, a write up here. Uh, Dragon Gate USA's promotions next pay per view show called Mercury debuts on May 14th and will play the rest of the month. Headlined by the return of Dragon Gate Trios match with Shima and Gama and Dragon Kid versus Shino Doy and BXB Holt. The show was taped WrestleMania weekend in Phoenix and includes Yamato making his first U.S. title defense of the Open the Dream Gate title, beating Yokosuka. It's not in every single match. Uh, the Roof Show. The prelims were just okay. Shingo's win over Gucci was a good opening match. The next match with Jimmy Jacobson and Jack Evans over Paul Leonard and Brian Kendrick was a disappointment. London looked out of shape and the match didn't click. John Moxley's win over Tommy Dreamer was presented uh, like this uh, major uh, win to make Moxley. Those two seemed out of place on Dragon Gate USA show, but the crowd, which was not as hot for the Dragon Gate guys as the previous pay-per-view crowds, was into Dreamer being a star. It was a match where Dreamer gave it everything he had. It was a lot of weapons and stuff and kicking a lot of moves and came off like a mid-card TNA pay-per-view weapon-style match that's given some time. Really, the selling point in the main event is fantastic, uh, or which is fantastic. The crowd was hot as some of our previous matches have won or finished high in the match of the year honors. He said this before. A lot of people have made the comparison of Michael's and Taker's possibly best match of the year. The two completely different style matches and difficult to compare... The match is heard in comparison because while the crowd loved the match with the chants, please don't stop, and such, it wasn't at the level of matches in the past. Michaels and Taker also felt like it had heavy stakes, so there's a big difference between an almost sold-out football stadium and 500 people in a 2,500-seat building. As far as Cripsis... Speed and creative moves. There's no comparison either for match of the style. You really can't ask for a better match. If anything, it was too much. So many new moves over and over, too fast and too many for the most part. So solid and perfectly timed. I really like the finish with Yoshino getting Gama in Sol uh, Naciente, which is like their version of a try, like a version of a triangle. Uh, and Shima and Dragon Kid try to make the save and were cut off by the spectacular moves of Doyen Hall. The worst. Uh, thing that you can say about it was that there was too much and it left it you numb. But when it was over, it was still up there with Michaels and Taker and will likely be one of the two best bouts of the year in US pay per view. So I'd go four and three, four stars and really a must see. I think he bumped his rating after seeing it again because that's for sure he's four and a half. Yeah. Um, Uh, But you must see when it comes to match of the year, if only because it's totally unlike any other top match that will likely air in a U.S. pay-per-view show this year. The promotion also returned North America this weekend, which shows on March 7th at Windsor-Ontario, which only drew 200 fans, and the taping for the Uprising pay-per-view, which drew 500 fans in Mississauga. I don't know if they got a special deal, but the Mississauga building usually costs $8,000 to run, and there are a lot of added expenses of running a show in Canada. You would hope to draw more from the Toronto market for the first time... Uh, Dragon Gate USA came, but it shows us how difficult it is to draw for this type of show. From a financial standpoint, there's a lot of questions on the viability of the group going forward. They haven't built their base, and this is a tough time for independent wrestling. Um, I will agree with that tough time for independent wrestling. This was definitely a a transition period. For sure. Um, Draws were probably down compared to where they were, like, in that oh four oh five period, but draws obviously would bounce back and even get better as we are now.
1: Um, I'm actually I'm looking at the uh, the venue to the international. Yeah, center. eight, it looks $8 like two, thousand it, dollars. So from what I've seen, it's a conference center or a convention convention center. So there's multiple rooms. So there's much smaller rooms, something where you'd have a comic con. There's much smaller rooms. There's a much bigger expo hall. There's one here that has uh, rafters with a lighting rig and LED screen on the one side, so it looks like you're paying for all of that. I so said they have runway shows, uh, runway events here, so uh, yeah. There's a comic con here that ran a few years ago, so like they didn't just book a gymnasium, but like they're they spent the money. But if you're uh, taping for T V, like I guess you want it to look like that the best possible events you can.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, he it, Dave says it here, you know, they're putting on one of the best matches at pay per view, but like people have to almost stumble upon it, and you don't stumble upon something when you're paying money to watch it on pay per view. That's not a stumbling. You already know what you know what you're looking for. And I think like and I think that's where TNA weekly pay per views and, and a company like this without any American TV is not gonna really grow more than five hundred people a show.
1: Yeah. I mean it's different now, ten years later with uh, Internet and streaming, and TV. yeah. T V like it's more of an niche market, you can get the product out. But I think one thing that's like lost on Dave and even Brian at this point, where like they're 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 both always gloom and doom on things. But I think what's lost in them is throughout all the the last two episodes and this episode too where it just seems like they're constantly down on the draws and thinking that if dragon gate's not making money off the gate that they're a financial failure and like it's been proven it was proven with ecw it was proven with throne of honor where it's all about the DVD sales yeah and now it's
0: it's streaming Especially, yeah. like, the fight relationships and stuff like that, though.
1: Yeah, there's so many companies that you watch. Not even ones that I produce and the ones I'm involved in. But, like, you you turn on IWTV and watch so many companies on there that a good amount of them, you look at the crowd, you know they're not making money off of the gates. But they're recouping it with what they're booking and fans watching at home. Whether it be on IWTV or on Fight Plus or... Uh, Premiere streaming or any other any other streaming network like that's I think any promoter that just looks at it as I have to make 100% of my money back at the gate is kind of short-sighted at this point because if you're booking something that is good enough that you're going to you really need to take the chance sometimes and be like my local fans might not appreciate this but it's going to pay off in the long run with the internet and people that can watch this through and during this era like during watch a traditional means through dvds or even pay-per-view and, and dave has listed some pay-per-view numbers for dragon gate in the past in year two and uh we we don't really know the true numbers because that's something gabe never put out there but i would have to think that he's still making some kind of money at it Like, the company wouldn't still be around. It wouldn't have lasted as long as it did if he wasn't making a profit on, like, some some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I think... Were they, like, rolled in the dough? Probably not, but they were probably at least breaking even where Gabe could have a salary, you know? Um... Plus, Gabe's also running Evolve at this time. He's starting Evolve, and, you know, he's, I think at this time, too, he's doing all those shoot interviews. So, he's making money.
1: Yeah, yeah. We said there's always the side, the side hustle, and always, like, the DVDs. He's still selling DVDs. I'm sure he was selling Dragon Gate DVDs for years after this, too. So, like, it might have taken a while to recoup something, but he's making money off of it.
0: Uh, March thirty first, two 2010, the next U.S. pay-per-view taping will be on July 24th in Philly. A bill does Enter the Dragon 2 and pushes the company's first anniversary show. They're trying to start working with the Americans and the Japanese groups as its group-versus-group main event with Jakara, which is Quackenbush and Jigsaw, plus others, against Kamikaze USA, which is Yamato and Kuma plus others. Uh, June first, two 2010, Kevin Clyde rocks Viva La Lucha, Revolution pay-per-view... Div- Debuts on June 11th in HD throughout North America on VOD, available TBN, In Demand, Dish Network, and Bell TV, and Viewers Choice in Canada. Those shows will be airing every other month uh, opposite of the Dragon Gate pay per views. First show features Hio Del Rey Mysterio Jr., Groon Triple X, Oriental, Supernova, Turbo, Black Thunder, Mr. Aguila, TJ Perkins, Damien, Halloween, Charlie Manson, X Fly, Blue Demon, and even L.A. Park. Uh, June 8th, 2010, from the Figure 4 Warrior Weekly, Dragate USA announced Sal uh as the chief, new Chief Operation Officer. He's worked as a promoter for FIP and was the man behind Ring of Honor's production for several years.
1: <laughs> we talked about in a previous episode how, yeah. like, he was very hands on with Ring of Honor, but kind of, like, slowly got forced out or slowly found his way out of the company, I should say.
0: Yeah. Um,. June 16th, uh, 2010, Shima, Dragon Gate, or Dragon Kids, sorry, uh, Masaru uh, Yukosuka, BXB Hulk, Doi, Kagatora, Haraguchi, Saito, and Takagi are all doing shows with WXW in Europe on... Uh, November 30th in Barcelona, Spain, and November 31st in Oberhausen, Germany. Also, the two-day tour will feature the Young Bucks, Mike Quackenbush, and El Generico. Barcelona includes Dragon Kid and Shingo versus Young Bucks, and Hulk and Yoshino, and Doi versus Shima, Yokosuka, and Kagatora. Oberhausen is Absolute Andy defending this world title against Shingo, Shima versus Quackenbush, and a four-way with Dragon Kid versus Generico versus Yoshino versus Yokosuka. So we see here, you know, um, Dragon Gate is still... You know, I mean, they're working with WXW. They're really trying to get a foot everywhere around the world.
1: And yeah, I, I put this in notes just in because it's belt, yeah. it's the um, a good Japanese influence, but also some Americans coming over. So Europe kind of got the got like fifty fifty there, like half of half of the Japan, half the Japan roster, half the American roster, and yeah, really trying to like get a foothold over there.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, you know we we've brought up WXW before. uh, You know, long time great promotion out Germany, and we know we have actually a lot of German listeners who are supporters of WXW. So uh, shout out to the German listeners out there, and yeah, WXW uh, still riding strong. Oh, they uh, do! Yeah, they
1: great shows. They put on great work over there, Um, and yeah, they're not afraid to work with companies. They've worked. Obviously, they're, they got the WWE connection now. They've worked with Smash before. They've done shows with us in Toronto. Um, they've brought Smash guys over to Germany, and uh, I know they did stuff with, with CZW. So, like, who knows what twenty twenty three is going to hold for them? But they're definitely uh, they're definitely not afraid to like, take take chances with that.
0: On uh, June 21st, 2010, the main event of the Dragon Gate USA first anniversary show on July 24th in Philadelphia, which is a pay per view taping, as Hulk defending the Open the Freedom Gate title against Mochizuki. Brian Anderson is already taking independent bookings all over the world, with the caveat that during his 90 day non compete through September 11th, he can't work on television or pay per view. The belief is that he can be turned taped on the July 24th Get USA show in Philadelphia, which is a pay-per-view, because their show won't air until after September 11th. The only company he's outright banned from appearing from is TNA. He will remain on payroll until September 11th, and at that point, he's free to go to TNA. Danielson has already agreed to a slew of independent dates, including June 26th, Jakara, uh, June 27th, in A.W. in Cleveland, uh, July 3rd and July 4th for Jeremy WXW, uh, July 23rd for Evolve, uh, July 24th, Drake at USA and July 30th for PWG and Rosita. And yes, this is when Brian Danielson is briefly a free agent with the tie incident, on uh, Justin Roberts. And he's back in August in WWE.
1: Yeah, he was back at SummerSlam. Uh, what isn't listed is he also worked two CW against Jay Freddy. Um, that was actually the week after SummerSlam, so he made his return at SummerSlam and still honored his commitments and worked Watertown the the Watertown Arena in, in beautiful rustic Watertown, New York.
0: Yeah. Be beautiful and rustic, Watertown, New York. <laughs> uh no we like a Watertown. Uh, June uh yeah, Dur- That's you you can say you like it. <laughs> Hey, I got put up in a castle to do comedy up there once.
1: That was cool. <laughs> uh, I, 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 all right, I can't say I've, I've had bad experiences in Watertown. Except for the one... Uh, we used to, we, 2CW used to run the, the county fair every year. And uh, just the one year we were rained out and the fair assured us they are giving us a tent for the ring like, Oh, don't worry about it. We got a tent for you. You can still do your show outside. They got us a twelve by twelve foot canopy that you would get like to tailgate, and they're like, oh yeah, this will work, right? And we <laughs> set it next to the ring, and we're like, I don't think it's gonna work. Good old water tower. <laughs> right. oh, that was that, that, that was the year after the the year before that. Uh, so the county fair has a petting zoo with exotic animals including snakes well one of the snakes got loose so uh before the show we had to have ring crew go out and lift up the the apron of the ring to make sure that there was no snakes that crawled underneath the ring because we had several workers on our roster that had a fear of snakes
0: imagine if a snake just did a
1: run in we were hoping <laughs> those of oh us God. that didn't those of us that didn't have a fear of snakes were just like alright we, we that, want to see this cause does that's that mean Jake the snake is here so the side note as we recording this we're about two weeks removed from the GCW show in LA where Joey Janela came out with a giant snake and it, it gave me flashbacks to that where we had a giant snake in a crate backstage and some people were freaking out uh and we were making comments on hopefully the snake doesn't get loose and start burrowing somewhere in the in the Ukrainian culture center because we're not it's like a five hundred pound snake, we're not getting it out.
0: <laughs> it burrows there and somehow finds a mate to then just
1: by the collective
0: there's a snake family living in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it doesn't get out. It just it goes into the wall and it just stays there and then that's that's the attraction for the collective
0: <laughs> Go see the snake. <laughs> oh,
1: there's, right. There was a there was a there was a pigeon infestation in there a few shows ago too. I don't I mean, know if you should be talking we, about this. Oh, that no that that that's fine. I think I think we should put it on Twitter.
0: The not infestation. You know that, folks? Pige- you go to GCW in LA and you never know what animals
1: you're going to encounter. There, there, there was a pigeon that almost like attacked KG and me at a at a, at a show. We had a big oh. men, uh help to shoo it outside. But uh, yeah, if there's a snake in there, like it could just eat the pigeons in the wildlife. Oh, it's perfect.
0: I, I'd like to think that like Big Vin is like the 911 but to animal infestations. Like,
1: <laughs> the, the he's going to show slam snakes? He's just gonna,
0: like, music hits and the pigeon's like let's get out of here! <laughs> here comes Big Vin!
1: <laughs> uh. I mean if you need to get rid of an animal uh, he's, he's the one to call. Uh. We don't condone
0: any harm on animals, folks, and big. No, no, no. It's humane. He's he's not har- he's not harming the animal.
1: No, no. We got the pigeon left. We got the pigeon out humanely, and we actually got it to a, a shelter. So. like, oh. we, we're, we're we're all about humane animal treatment here, on RTI. So
0: here's the thing: as much as you would have loved to see the snake do a run in, I feel like if the snake attacked your production equipment. <laughs> you would be very angry because I
1: know how you are with your production equipment.
0: Like, what if I could do what, what's,
1: what's it going to do? Squeeze a camera? Like, I don't, It's, it's going to... be it's, like, you're going to be trying it. to
0: produce the show and it's going to be like you'd be sliding on your production desk, just messing up your switcher.
1: It, it, the table will collapse. It's like a foldable table. It's not going to work. It, it, it would have wrapped around my cameraman and killed him. Like, as long as... You, you know my policy is protect the camera. If you can eat by the snake, just make <laughs> sure the camera. Protect the camera. <laughs> to sacrifice your life for the camera. The, the, the expensive camera. <laughs> Alright,
0: I think we should get back to talking about Dragon
1: <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. I think this is good audio, right? Yeah, I'm not editing it out. It's fine. <laughs>
0: no, no, this the, the, no. We're, we're Talking about snakes. <laughs> um... June 30th, 2010, Brian Daniels vs. Shingo main event, uh, the Dragon Gate, uh, July twenty for Dragon Gate USA first anniversary show in Philly. The match won't be taken for pay though, because of that 90-day no-compete that Danielson is under. June 29th, for so figure four weekly, uh, Dragon Gate U- USA's next pay-review uprising, which debuts in July 9th in the United States on In Demand, uh, and in Canada, viewers' choice and Bell Express, was another strong pay-review from what is still a struggling group. Um and he he just kinda he kinda recaps a lot what Dave said, uh two hundred fans and all that, uh strong wrestling, uh um he, he said they're starting a few angles uh based on faction warfare for people who only watch pay per views, so it's a bit confusing trying to figure out who is with and more importantly why it matters. Uh Lenny uh Leonard and Chikars did commentary. It's um hardly wanted to talk because my haircut uh, for the Abdullah DVD, but someone needs to take your Carson to the barber immediately. He did uh, not
1: like Joe Sposta's haircut.
0: No, he did not. Um, all right, here and he, and he, and he just he
1: recaps uh, the thing we've
0: already discussed uh, here. Though I don't remember seeing the result of Rip Impact versus Johnny Wave.
1: No, uh, but actually, he's very excited
0: about Rip Impact's name on this 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 write up. Yeah. By the way, Rip Impact, very nice human being, great wrestler.
1: Yeah, it's a great human being. Um, no, it wasn't listening the results because it wasn't a match. It didn't even start. Brody Lee hit the ring. Oh, and okay. As uh, as as Brian wrote, Brody Lee hit the ring and killed the fucking fuck out of both guys. Okay,
0: <laughs> there you go. There, yeah. So. And then uh, July 12, 2010, Dave recaps, and we've we've gone through this, but he recaps the pay-per-view here, uh, dis- but he, it's just disappointing crowd of 500 fans. Like, that's great for an indie show in 2010, man. I understand you're bringing a star from Japan, but it's still an indie show. Whatever. I think Dave um, would
1: say, like, 2000 would be disappointing, because he... I think in his mind, like, you're bringing in Japanese guys, you should be getting, like, 10,000 fans, especially in, in Toronto.
0: Biggest uh, thing Dave mentions here is that Gargano doing a promo. Gargano's here now. Uh, and, and that's a big thing because Gargano will, will stay with Gabe until he gets signed, pretty much. Yeah. Um. All right, and then July 5th, 2010... Uh, Danielson has agreed to the November 20th, or sorry September 25th date for Dragon Gate USA, which is a key thing because that's more than three months down the line. And if he's taking dates that far in advance, it, it means he doesn't expect to be WWE by that time. Danielson also worked two shows on March 27th in Cleveland and one in Chikara and one in AEW. Um, I think he meant June 27th. Yeah, Dave yeah. July. Uh, or, July, Uh Danielson uh, noted after going into a 30-minute time on the draw of Gargano in his second match of the day, that he wrestled more on that day than the previous six months combined. Danielson will be wrestling this coming weekend in Germany. His first two matches against CJP and against Wade Fitzgerald. On Sunday, he'll be doing a debut of the Ambition Tournament, a one-night tournament pattern for 1990's rings! And UWFI with Zack Sabre Jr., uh, John Ryan, Johnny Moss, and Fitzgerald along with TJP and Holland wrestlers Tommy End, uh, yeah, that's Malachi Black, and Rikido, R- Rico Bushido, Danielson was a regular top heel for the promotion in 2008 And that's what's great, like, going down this and just seeing, like, Tazawa, Shingo, Gargano, Tommy End, who becomes Malachi Black, just seeing all the big stars that were uh, really owning their craft in this time. Moxley, you know, like...
1: The ambition tournament was similar to Bloodsport. Um, Obviously not as brutal, because it's more about the technical wrestling, but it's, it's... The rules are very simpler, are very similar to Bloodsport.
0: Uh, July 21st, 2010, added to the July twenty fourth show in Philly as an elimination match with Yoshino and Quackenbush and Jigsaw and Hollow Wicked versus uh, Yamato, Tozawa, Moxley, and Akuma. Uh, July 27, 2010, Figure 4 Weekly evolved uh, in Union City, Jersey uh, before 150 people in top matches. On, up and Spoke defeated o- o- Syrian Portal, Chuck Taylor beat Jimmy Jacobs, and Brian to beat Bobby Fish. Danielson was super over with the fans and uh, in the in the ring. They threw streamers but during his entrance. That'd be a really good match. Though we're told the crowd didn't seem to believe for a second that Fish had a chance of winning. Next show uh, on September 11th with Danielson versus Sawa and uh, that's Minura Sawa and Mercedes Martinez versus Amazing Kong. Did that actually, did that happen? That sounds really good. Uh, Danielson was the guy uh, Evolve was planning to build, build around, but then he signed with WWE before he could work the first show. Uh, Draggy USA taped their next pay-per-view on Saturday night, July 24th in Philly. About 650-700 fans. It was apparently 110 degrees in the building. So they have two pay-per-view tapings ago. It was too cold. Now it's too warm but the show was good enough that the fans went nuts for everything. We got various reports. Some saying that the show was really good and others saying it was the best show dragging USA has done. It would be, uh, had to be pretty great to top the first show. Unfortunately, the best thing on the show can't be on the pay-per-view. I'm assuming Danielson.
1: Yeah. And Um, you can, you can skip the rest because Brian just recaps everything that Dave says in the next paragraph. Yeah. Uh,
0: August second, two thousand and ten, Dragon USA's first anniversary show, Enter the Dragon, featuring the return of Brian Danielson, got strong reviews and was a financial success, drawing a near packed house of eight hundred fans to the arena in Philly on July twenty fourth. So it seems like eight hundred is a, is a sweet spot number here for Dave. Uh,
1: yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's a financial success, but 500 hundred five hundred isn't. So because
0: I think when we were doing the Burt shows, anytime Burt drew eight hundred, it's like oh, it was great. <laughs> but when Burt drew one hundred and fifty, it was bad. <laughs>
1: Well, was, you know, also because you knew, like, if it's listed in the observer, you know, Bert sent it in. <laughs> <You> know, that's it. <laughs> it was like he drew fifteen hundred. Dave, like, like, Dave can be very gullible with <laughs> with his numbers. Like he's listened to people of Bert who, are obviously, just working with those numbers. Like there's no guarantee. And any any Bert result that was in there didn't have didn't have. Uh, attendance, like yeah, that drew that drew one hundred
0: and fifty. Yeah, listen to the Bert Prentice episodes; they were great, uh, highly well regarded. From uh, a lot of people in the business, so they listened to him and liked him. Uh, that we did, uh, and there was stuff we did, just couldn't find. Like, didn't find much about Bert's Kansas territory. Apparently, he ran another territory before that. It's like so, just there, the, the, he he was a one of a kind
1: for sure. Yeah, there was so much of that stuff that just lost the time at this point, and it's like it's even hard to find people that work there at, that are willing to talk about a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I, heard Bo, I heard Bo James of Between the Sheets to talk about Bert, and he was like, it's not just that Bert would run, but Bert got TV everywhere he went. Yes. Like the, it, like, like, it, it was very hard for people to get TV, and, but yeah, so if you want to go back in the archives, listen to Bert Prentice episodes, they were a lot of fun. i uh, But yeah, August 2nd, uh, 2010 here, uh, we talked about 800 fans. So uh, The show was built... Uh, around what was billed as a pay-per-view dark match with Danielson versus Shingo, said to be a match of the year candidate because Danielson's not compete doesn't end till early September. I wonder if we will going to get a rematch of that, maybe at the Forbidden Door 2023. Uh, this match can't be on pay-per-view uh, that debuts on September 10th. The match can be released on the next commercial DVD of the show that will come in October. Danielson is scheduled to face Yamato on the next pay-per-view on September 25th in Chicago. Gabe Sapolsky noted that he's trying to book Danielson's biggest matches right away because he doesn't think he's long for the independent scene. I just laugh because he's gone by then. Uh, while no, nobody from WWE has called him uh, to at least last week, it's known by several key people in the organization they've been trying to put Fitz of to hire him back. When his non-compete ends in September, one would think TNA would make an offer, and it's, gar- it's all but guaranteed that the Sean Davis Project will... Uh, just the f- uh, fact that the other two would almost surely do would make it more likely that WWE would bring him back. That Sean Davis Project, we'll have to talk about another day, uh, but I think that was supposed to be... I think it was much like um, the... the. Uh, do you remember... So uh, The Sean Davis Project was supposed to be like a TV deal, and, and, and I don't know if they ever did a taping, but do you remember the... Uh, promotion that ever happened that like had like I think MVP and Cole Cabana and Luther and a few others and they had different names like Cole Cabana's name was like uh punchline or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? They very... did like a they did a bunch of tapings but they just it just never happened.
1: Yeah, very very vaguely? Uh, let's see here. But I believe I believe Corp Bauer was involved in this, or at least asked to be involved. Uh, if I'm right, like they had some big names involved. I think like Booker was signed to it, or like Booker was being talked about to be in it. Like, so think like, Colin Nash.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, see, I remember rumblings of Sean Davis, but I don't think they ever got the TV tapings. Uh, wrestling uh, Revolution is what I was thinking of, which never it ne- I don't think they ever got a TV deal but they did a uh, a bunch of tapings the wrestling revolution I think so a oh, wrestling retribution I'm sorry retribution okay yeah that's the that that's what it was cage match yeah what time period because I want to say we're around this time period for that uh, can't even find it on cage match all right, well, whatever. I mean, that's that's off topic anyways. But but yeah, the Sean Davis project, uh, Sean Davis was in the Heartbreakers, I think. They were calling themselves Heartbreak Express uh, tag team out of Florida.
1: And it was a wrestling retribution project that was Jeff Katz's fed. That's what I'm thinking of. They were in L.A. Yeah, that, they did three shows in L.A.
0: That's what I'm thinking of, yep. But they, they the, the idea was to get a TV deal, but I don't think they ever got one. But yeah, anyways, uh the pre fights uh were uh Lindsay Dorado. Uh yep, that Lince Dorado uh, uh defeated uh, uh Super Shenlong of Dragon Gate. Uh Cheech and Cloudy beat Rex Reed and Tommaso Ciampa. Yep, that Ciampa. <laughs> uh Jimmy Jacobs beat Sammy Callahan. Uh Shima Pingargano. Chuck Taylor won a four-way over Adam Cole, Ricochet. And Eric Cannon. Uh, Naruki Doi pinned Drake Younger. Yeah, we're not going to go into that much. Uh, BXB Hulk retained the Open the Freedom Gate title over at Mochizuki. Uh, Rich Swan beat Scott Reed. Yoshino and Quackabush and Jigsaw and Hollow Wicked beat Yamato. Uh, Tazawa, Akuma, and Moxley. In the
1: um, long 18 minutes in an elimination match. Yes. Uh...
0: Wow, with the stardom on this, huh? Yeah. I mean, you got Lince Dorado, uh, Sammy Callahan, uh,
1: in the those, pre-show. The, yeah, I would say those are that's the pre that's the pre-show. Like the first match of the pay-per-view was Seema and Gargano.
0: Yeah, and, and you got Taylor and Adam Cole and Ricochet, and I mean, we you know, we've talked about on the show before too. Eric Cannon. You know, you hear when you go around. There's all, oh, you know, he's a vet, and it's probably some guy that never traveled more than 40 miles from his house. No, Eric Cannon is a true independent wrestling vet. Like, yeah, if he's, you're, he's, <laughs> he's,
1: he's drove from from Milwaukee, yeah, uh, from Minneapolis down to Philly, down to all these places. Like, he he made the rounds. He built the towns,
0: and I think him and Darren Corbin were the guys that put on that show in the Mall of America. Which just looked awesome.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that was they were air cannons fed. Yep. And then the uh the
0: Piv Dart match was Danielson beating Sh- Shingo via Submission with twenty eight uh forty two. So yeah, pretty pretty huge uh pretty good card here. Pretty great card actually, probably the best Dragon Gate USA card I've seen. Just seeing, you know, champa <laughs> uh just seeing where these guys end up. Um now uh a little bit of note here, uh on a Chicago show on July 25th in Philly that drew 755 fans. Um, but included Tommy Dreamer's induction in Arena Hall of Fame. Uh, but there was matches with Dragon Gate Talent. Shima and machuzuki and Super Shenlong beat Fist in an awesome match. Uh, Shingo pinned Equinox with a Lariat in a very, another very good match. Um, and main event saw Mike Quackabush and, and Jigsaw and Hollow Wicked of Shakara beat Yoshino, BXB Hulk, and Ricky Do. Um Is is that the Equinox that we know, uh, Ash? Yes. yes <laughs> oh, that's,
1: yeah yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's Jimmy Olsen, yes. Oh, I don't know if you want to reveal his identity. People so. no, like. know. <laughs> I didn't know it was just
0: hanging out on a couch, and you're like, yeah, it was Equinox. I'm like, oh, yeah, you were, weren't you? <laughs>
1: I mean, he's in the other room right now for me. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but uh, I could ask him for more details on that match, but uh, I, I included this uh, Shikara listing in here just because um, Dave says it's the best crowd ever in Philadelphia for them at 755. But I want to throw that in there because that was also at the arena just to point out that they did a double shot with Dragon Gate, used some of Dragon Gate's talent, In the same building and uh, heavily leaning off of Dragon Gate, drew a really good house. And And honestly, the the, fact of like just the fact of Sharon Names doing Evolve on Friday, Dragon Gate on Saturday, Shakara on Sunday, uh, you know, all three shows made money because they were able to split talent.
0: Yeah. And putting Dreamer in ECW Arena Hall of Fame was probably a big factor too. Yes. Um, August 9th, 2010, there will be four more Dragon Gate USA shows this year, a peer review taping on September 25th in Chicago for mid-November, a house show on November 26th in Milwaukee, uh, another house show in Fall River on October twentieth. and a final pay-per-view taping of the year on October 30th in Rahway, New Jersey. For Chicago and Milwaukee, the major talent will be Danielson, Yoshino, BXB Hulk, Shima, Dragon Kid, Doi, uh, Yamato, Tozawa, Jacobs, Quackabush... Jigsaw, Moxley, Akuna, Gargano, Taylor, Cannon, Younger, Lee, and Ricochet. Birdie Lee, that is. Um, August 18, 2010, the main event of the for the September 26 show in Milwaukee has BXB Hulk and Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi versus Shin, Shingo Yamato and Suzawa Uh, was from the Figure Four Weekly here, August 17, 2010. Danielson is being allowed to finish up his dates, final dates for Sapolsky's Dragon Gate Evolved Promotions, the latter of which launched with the idea that it would be built around Danielson before he was signed with WWE the first time. Uh, He is not being allowed to finish all his dates. However, he is scheduled to work Mikey Whipwreck's New York Wrestling Connection shows, but pulled out SummerSlam Weekend uh, at an event a couple weeks ago citing Family Commitments. He was supposed to work another New York Wrestling Connection show at the end of this month, uh, but WWE pulled him, wanting him on the road working WWE house shows. He never worked for Ring of Honor during his time away from WWE, and Ring of Honor was planning to wait until his ninety-day no compete uh, was up, bringing him to work to TV's. Yeah, because this is the this is the Ring of Honor Access
1: era. I think. Uh, yes, yes, I believe so. Yeah,
0: th- yeah, and uh, yeah, this is them trying
1: well, to. Well, no, uh, not Access. H uh, D HDNet.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. HGNet. They became Access, right? I think.
1: Yeah, why, yeah. HGNet yes. came after after it was sold. Um, is it? Yeah, it started as a Mark Cuban uh, owned yes. venture. Uh, August twenty third, two
0: thousand and ten. Danielson will still be doing the September eleventh Evolve show, and this is September twenty fifth weekend Dragon Gate USA show, although his match that was originally set to be a pay-per-view main event against Takagi, will have to be a dark match. Uh, Danielson's final shows to Dragon Gate USA will be on September 25th in Chicago against Yamato, and the 26th in Milwaukee against Moxley. Uh, Debbie's allowing Danielson to keep his dates already in the book, but that doesn't mean the Yamato match has to be removed as a pay-per-view match but it does mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Gate kid Vershingo Shingo has been added to the Chicago pay-per-view. Sapolsky is trying to push that match with videos on YouTube to see if adding Kong against a top woman indie wrestlers will mean anything for business. Um, let's see here. August 3rd, 2010, Aki Bono will be working for Dragon Gate USA on October 29th show in Fall River and October 30th from Raway. A little bit different than the Dragon Gate style. Yeah. <laughs> um, September of 2010, Dragon Kid vs. Mike Quackenbush was announced in the Milwaukee show, September 26. And then September 13, 2010, Dragon Gate USA has followed the lead in Ring of Honor, inking a deal with Go Fight Live for internet pay-per-view shows, with the first being on October 29th in Fall River, Massachusetts. Ring of Honor has been doing a little over a 1,000 buys per IP review, although they also have Net promoting the shows with their storylines being more visible and reasonable. Dragon Gate USA is believed to be doing the two to 4,000 range on a regular pay per view, airing on a two month tape delay. Shima, Jacobs, and Horaguchi were announced for the October 29th show in Fall River and October 30th in Rahway. Among those announced are Yoshino, BXP Hulk, Aki Bono, Shingo, Yamato, Moxley, Jigsaw, and Quackenbush.
1: So, this is interesting that Dave says Ring of Honor is doing a little over 1,000 buys. But Dragon Gate's doing between two and four thousand, even though Ring of Honor has TV. So he's kind of like he's making it sound like uh, Ring of Honor has a better deal. But then, because they have a better deal, because they've got TV. But then saying Dragon Gate's drawing two to four times as much. No. But this quite. Quite telling on that. Uh, and with HDNet, if anyone doesn't remember, like, it was a premium channel too. Um, I don't know if every cable and satellite system was like that, but at least like, here in Rochester with Spectrum, HDNet was an extra like five a month, maybe even more. So it wasn't like something, it, it was something at a time where not everyone had HDTVs at that point. Like People started buying high-definition TVs and flat screens around this time, but not every cable channel was broadcasting in HD. So it was a novelty channel. Yeah,
0: And you uh, you really had to have, like, uh, an extra package to get it.
1: Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, that's what I, I said. Remember. Like, it was extra. Like, at least for us, it was, I think it was an extra, like, $5 to get just that network. Yeah. I know, like, later on, I think it was packaged with a few other channels, too, but it wasn't, like, a base channel.
0: Or convincing so get, my roommate to order it. I'm like, I'll pay for it. Don't worry, it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was living with uh, a few wrestlers at that point, and like we got it just because there's a work of honor. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't like... I i don't think the TV... It was more of a niche market TV anyways, because you're not going to get casual fans flipping channels because you really have to know that it's on. You're actually paying for it. I felt it was like no different than uh, early TNA with the pay-per-views. Where like you're you're not gonna get casual fans, you're only gonna get people that know what your product is and they're gonna seek it out.
0: Alright here. Um the September fourteenth observer is just recapping that Philly show that aired on pay-per-view. Nothing different than really what we've talked about other than a zombie entered the ring. <laughs> <laughs> at one point so, so very interesting uh, September 20th, 2010 uh, BXP Hulk uh, vs. Uh, Tezawa was added to the September 25th preview taping in Chicago the company did three shows in Europe this weekend sending Cyber Kong, Yoshino uh, Yukasuka, Mochizuki, Doi Hulk, Yamato, Takagi Uh, Shima and Dragon Kid, uh, the shows got over great to the people who were there since they pretty much drew the exclusive crowd who knew everyone uh, was and saw them as big stars. The September 11th show in St. Ives drew 685, headlined UK wrestlers Pac and Mark Haskins, uh, who were Dragon Gate regulars, beating Shima and Dragon Kid with Pac pinning Kid with a shooting star. Pac came out wearing the Open the Brave Gay title. Uh Yoshino, who worked earlier in the show, didn't bring out his Open the Dream gay title, so apparently the idea was to make Pac the big star of the show in his home country. Crowd was hot for everyone with Pac and Yoshino being the biggest stars. Yukasu's so as Matsuzuki was the big match of the night. Brutus Magnus of TNA watched the show from the balcony. He wouldn't answer questions even from friends as to why he's not being used right now. Uh, that would be Nick Aldous. Uh, They also ran September 10th in Broxburg, England, and September 12th in Oberhausen, Germany. Uh, The latter was at WXW and featured a lot of mixed matches with Dragon Gate guys against German regulars including Zack Sabre Jr. beating Um, We got some results here from these Dragon Gate shows in England and Germany. Uh, Won't really go through a lot of them there. I mean, kind of mentioned a lot of the stars uh, uh, that were there uh, but some other names that you might have heard of. Uh, Emil Satochi Tommy End, uh, Amalekai Black was there. Big Van uh, Walter. Big Van Walter, yeah. Thumbtack Jack. He's the one that had that infamous match with uh, Nick Gage, right? I think where Gage almost died in Jersey. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, um, oh, Delaware, I think.
0: Delaware, yeah, yes. DJ's Delaware, backyard. Right. Brody Lee was on this show as well. Uh, re- working bad bones. So yeah, pr- pr- pretty uh, pretty stacked show here. Mark Haskins, man. Great talent. Uh, he kind of disappeared. I don't know. Like, uh, since the pandemic. So I don't know what's going on with Mark Haskins. I feel
1: like... Yeah, he's, he's ste- he was a steady talent out there. Like, he was out there. Like, I, yeah, I'm not even sure.
0: Let me see here, because... I haven't
1: really seen his name.
0: He might be one of those guys that just has been working the UK and he's back doing that.
1: Oh, yeah, he's... he's. Oh, oh yeah, he's, like the
0: UK he's, he's super, yeah. ICW, 1PW, which is back, which is crazy. TNT, um, yeah, no, he's... O- yeah,
1: over the top over wrestling. Over the top. Like yeah, ICW, no,
0: he's... Be- yeah, he's, he's doing that, but, um, Mark Haskins definitely uh, underrated, uh uh, UK talent. All right here. Uh, let's see here. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Uh, September 27, 2010. Uh, the next peer review tipping is September 25th in Chicago. And um, obviously David releases really a little bit, uh, off time, <laughs> uh, Daniels versus Yamano main event will be a dark match because of Daniels's WWE contract. The pay per view matches from November airing have Dragon Kid versus Shingo, Yoshino and Doi versus Quackabush and Jigsaw, BXB Hulk versus Tozawa for the Open the Freedom Gate title, Jimmy Jacobs versus John Moxley in a street fight, uh, and, and Shima versus Ricochet in a four way with Chuck Taylor versus Drake Younger versus Johnny Gargano and versus Rich Swan. Homicide one of my favorite people to work with uh, debuts on October 29th in Fall River and October 30th in Rawway uh, so definitely taking some Ring of Honor stalwarts and putting them on the show there um,
1: yeah also local talent like homicide's local to the New York City area and he's, he's he's got that name value
0: so we're going to talk about these pay-per-view tapings and I know you wanted to get to a certain point Ash but I think we'll wrap it up here with these pay-per-view tapings Right. I know, we're two hours in and we're, we're only in uh, here. So, uh, uh, September 25th in Chicago, uh, Soul Touches uh, beat Danny Dugan uh, and Billy Rays and Gringo Loco. That's interesting. Uh, Gringo Loco here in 2010. Danny and, and Dugan, Danny, that's the Danny that's a Canadian guy. <laughs> yes,
1: yes did he take over the tours from Candelo, I think? I, I, one I of know. them, yeah. Like yeah. one of the he did take over one of the death tours. He's a uh uh, uh giant <laughs> divine kid, too.
0: Yeah. Uh AW Heavyweight title three match, Silas Young defeated Akuma and Samurai Del Sol, that would be Kalisto. Uh Eric Cannon beat Kyle O'Reilly, BXB Hulk won a three over Tozawa and Quackabush, Moxley beat Jacobs, Sheman Ricochet beat Yoshino and Doi. I need to see that match. <laughs> uh, Bertie Lee beat the uh, Soul Touchers. Uh, Chuck Taylor over Rich Swan, Johnny Gargano, and Drake Younger in a four way, and then Shingo beat Dragon Kid, and then Brian Danielson beat Yamato. So really good card for that. <clears throat> now Milwaukee, which was a sellout at 200 people, so small venue.
1: Did they run La Pika Lounge? <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: 200 sellout man. Uh, Aeroform beat Zero Gravity. Shiva beat Chuck Taylor. Johnny Gargano beat Drake Younger. Brody Lee won over Mike Quackenbush. Rich Swan, Kyle O'Reilly, Sylve Young, and Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, Dragon Kid beat Eric Cannon. Brian Danielson beat John Moxley. Shingo and Yamato uh, and Tazawa beat BxB Hulk Yoshino and Doi. Uh, they did the pay per view tape in Chicago for 500 fans. The show will start airing on November 12th for the main. Show it. Oh, uh, and yeah, we kind of talked about that. So he's kind of doing a recap (coughs) of that whole weekend. We really don't have to talk much detail in here. Uh, They are looking for a combination of seminars and running internet pay per views. Uh, to, to try and defray the heavy cost of flying in Japanese talent. If they can get 500 to 700 buys on the internet review, that would be a major difference of finances in the show on a small budget. They're also having more people drive in the shows and less flyings. And the seminar model I know, I think Dave, uh, Gabe would do a lot and Evolve yeah. down the line. I'm pretty sure yeah, that was yeah,
1: a it big model. Uh, There's one point in that the previous paragraph, talking about Milwaukee. I think you should... Uh, I think you should read that.
0: Okay, let's, let me just go back to <laughs> All
1: right, the second show weekend show was nearly a
0: disaster. It was October 26th in Milwaukee. The guy who was supposed to flout, supplied the ring, canceled on them, and didn't know about it. So at the past last minute, they had to call Ron, and finally, and it wasn't easy, uh, used a ring owned by Rashi Brown, former Ring of Honor star all the wrestlers worked together to set it up and the show only started 90 minutes late it could have been a lot worse. The Dragon Gate guys said they would go to the store and buy padding and work matches without a ring and start working on ideas. The crowd was only 200, but the place also held around that much. We're super hot, and seeing everyone work so hard together to get the show going, and the small place led a strong atmosphere. In fact, it was said to be the hottest show in a while, and the main event with Shingo and Yamato and Tazawa were Hulk and Shino with Doi with 29 minutes. and said to be the best match promotion it's done to date. Didn't you just say that? <laughs> okay, uh, they, they had Shingo go over Hulk. Set so the upcoming title match: Shima pin Taylor, the Meteora, Gargano beat Younger, Lee won a six way with Jacobs, Quackabush, Swan, Young and o- O'Reilly. Dragon Kid beat Eric Cannon in an OK match. Ricochet beat Akuma. Danielson beat Moxley in a brawl, including Danielson bleeding and joking that he may get fired over. Danielson won with the L- L- bell lock. Which was do we really try to get it over as the little bell lock? Um, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna stop there for now. But as a preview for part four, we're gonna talk about that Go Fight Live pay per view and everything to come about it. And uh, Go Fight Live was a really interesting concept, and we can kind of talk about where the future of internet pay per views went. Uh, but I think like. We need time to let that marinate. We're already a little over two hours in. We'll definitely we'll tackle that in part four. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this company's still going fairly strong. They're doing better in the Ring of Honor on pay-per-view. They're having pretty great matches. Uh, the talent, I mean, there's those talent, a lot of the talent will become stars. So, I mean... It, you would USA at this point, 2010, fall 2010 looks still to be strong. Obviously, that will change as years go on, but we'll, and we'll touch it in final parts here. Any other thoughts on this, Ash, before we wrap it up here?
1: No, I think you pretty much hit it. Um, that, yeah, this is sort of a me- meteoric rise coming up here that uh, they're they're building something. Um, as you see, like they're running shows. Like, obviously, Philly, Like you're going to draw well in Philly. You drew 800 in Philly, but then Yeah, like Chicago five hundred. That's pretty much what you're gonna expect in Toronto or in uh, Chicago for a traveling company. Milwaukee, probably what you're gonna expect. Um, But you know, it's a it's a double shot. So you expect, like I said, like Toronto, you get five hundred. Like it's it's a slow build. Um, But that's around what Ring of Honor was drawing too. And dare I say, like more than TNA was doing when they were running house shows, for the most part. It's like they're I think they're doing pretty well here
0: yeah I mean definitely a company with a lot of potential and we'll you know we'll talk about those eye pay-per-views in, in the next episode uh, and hey we want to thank all you guys I know we got a lot of people hey are you guys on? are you guys coming back we came back sorry uh, it's been a crazy time Ash has been literally and I mean literally this isn't a figurative thing he's been all over the world producing shows uh I've been keeping busy, not just to ring announcing, but heavily involved in WrestleNomics. We're doing two shows a week now. Uh, on top of, uh, I've been heavily back in the stand-up comedy and doing a little touring with that and everything. So, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, as, as far as me, and I'll let Ash talk about kind of what he's doing, what he's got coming up. As far as me here, uh, in January, you'll have a couple chances to see me do comedy. I'll be doing comedy at Milkies in Buffalo, the famous Milkies. That's the 13th. Uh, January 20th I'll be ring announcing ESW. The next day on the 21st I'll be doing comedy at uh, Buffalo Brewing Company, uh, and then I'll have some dates in February. We'll talk about that on, on the next show. But, uh, yeah, if you want to book me for comedy or ringing out some wrestling or whatever, uh, Chris Gello is the social media handles. And uh, WrestleNomics Radio, We're do, we do a show every Sunday 11 a.m., uh, and then it hits all your major podcast feeds later that night or Monday morning. And then on Thursdays, we do something called WrestleNomics 30 for talk about kind of the dynamic rating any other rating news and anything to hit that week a quick little recap and you have to be a Patreon subscriber for that but the Patreon is only $5 it's well worth it you get all the up to date data plus Brandon, myself, Jesse uh, Jason and Chris are always putting out extra content on there so uh, yeah, check out WrestleNomics it's my other uh, uh, proud wrestling project I'm part of other than obviously all my rig announcing and here of course rediscovering any of these but you can go ahead and
1: well, yeah, since uh, last time we talked in end of August, I've yeah pretty much been around the world. I've been to the UK with GCW. I've been to Japan for two weeks with GCW. Been to Mexico City in the world-famous Junkyard. Uh, debuted for MLW in Atlanta and have done their Philadelphia tapings. And pretty much now just on the road every weekend whenever there's a GCW show or MLW show. Uh, and then filling in any other for any other shows that GoPro Wrestling or GPW Wrestling might have. Um, but yeah, going forward in 2023 um, in a few days, I'm not sure when this will hit but a few days i will be in LAX City for GCW. Uh will be in Philadelphia for MLW as the as their technical director and also a, a co-editor for their weekly TV show Fusion on BN Sports um, mid-January I'm going to be in Charlotte uh, Huntsville and Florence for GCW uh, early February got another OW show in Philadelphia got uh, GCW and JCW The the famous Jersey Cup is coming back uh, are we there? Probably producing that. Be back in LA for GCW. Uh, we have Toronto and Montreal for GCW coming up in March. And then All Roads Lead to the Collective at the end of March, which you're going to be in LA with us.
0: Yeah, um, I'm working on some... Uh, uh, Brandon told me if I could find a venue and do all the logistics, we could have a live Russell Nomic show. Uh, oh, I have I've even talked... Well, he says if I could get the logistics done he'll do it
1: <laughs> i i called him out for uh labor day weekend when he flew into he flew into chicago for all out and didn't even bother stopping by and i was like 10 minutes away
0: yeah he also he just hung out at uh the post wrestling show in newark uh, during uh the uh all, um what was the last interview they had uh the last interview, i forget what they called it uh, uh but yeah he was in newark for that um. So,
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a busy guy. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, S- stay stay hard. tuned.
0: Stay tuned for like I'm hoping when we get to WrestleMania weekend, I'm gonna have comedy announcements, wrestling announcements, and hopefully a WrestleMania live show announcement. Uh, you are literally going to be at the UCC for three days, so I'm not even gonna try to get you to do a live discovery to get these because you won't have any time. So.
1: Yeah, I'm probably one of these days we'll do it. But like, be, yeah, between that or like if I have some MoW editing, I probably find a corner somewhere to edit something. But yeah, pretty. I'm the lead producer that whole weekend, so I'll be quite busy. Um, yeah. And then I think after that, like let's go see a Dodgers game. Yeah, uh, Dodgers uh, at home that weekend. Yeah, we. Do, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, like that Monday, that that Monday to that Sunday, uh, opposing mania. Uh, going up against Mania or maybe Monday Let's see Dodgers game.
0: Um, but yeah, so yeah, we're going to uh, we're gonna wrap this up here. Of course, you can follow us on RTI Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Rediscovering the Indies on Facebook. Of course, support Podcast Pre-C, BICPB Radio Productions. All the hard work that Matt Johnson is over there. Uh, follow Jonathan Ash on all your social medias, Instagram and Twitter. Follow myself, Chris Gello, and thank you guys for supporting Rediscovering Indies. And keep on supporting Independent Wrestling and learn its history.